Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle is off for the week. Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champ and the head coach at Hazelwood Central, joining us for the next three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, here on 101 ESPN. One of my favorite people, and it's great to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for having me. You are one of my favorite people as well. I enjoy spending time with you in these these early mornings. It's always <laughs> fun to get up, but I, I enjoy myself. You've obviously during a career that has spanned Hazelwood Central, University of Illinois, Pit, uh, India, uh, Indianapolis Colts, Pittsburgh Steelers, coach now, you've done a lot of things. Are you a morning person? Do you handle mornings well? You know, once I'm up, I'm up. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not a person that is, is you know, cranky or groggy early in the morning. Once I'm up, I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, and throughout the day, I, I may yawn a few times throughout the, the the end of the day. But once I'm up in the morning, I'm up. Beautiful. Yeah. The Cardinals were off last night. So were the Brewers. The Cardinals play the Rockies tonight at 740 St. Louis time. You can see that one on Bally Sports. And the Cardinals will pitch Miles Michaelis against Ryan Feltner of the Rockies. The Cardinals have won seven in a row. They've won nine of ten. And we're going to talk about this, obviously, throughout the course of the show. But... The question of the day, Kerry Davis, is this. With the Cardinals rolling like they are, what worries you about them? you have any concerns right now? You know what's crazy? I, I was so concerned over the last few weeks in, in regards to, oh, we got to figure out pitching. Juan Soto's available. You got to <laughs> do something. Frankie Montas, we get, what, what are we doing? And you don't make the big splash move. You don't make the, the, the move that everybody wants. And you go on a seven-game win streak, and you're yeah. beating the, the the Yankees, the one of the top teams in the major leagues. So, I don't know that I have. And, and then Young comes back, right. who was, yeah. you know, who wasn't playing well. He's hitting one thirty, yeah, not great, <laughs> and comes back, and now he's hitting, you know, timely home runs and timely, you know, doubles, RBIs, getting RBIs. So it's, it's, I can't say that I'm. I think I still would like to see. If Flaherty is is healthy, mm-hmm. what he looks like because we know the amount of talent that he has, how much how much he has in him, um, we would like to see it on a consistent yeah. basis. And if he comes back, obviously maybe you move Dakota Hudson to the bullpen, and that bolsters your bullpen even Huge. more. Um, you know, with Palante with Montgomery coming, you were able to move Palante to the bullpen. Like those things just strengthen your team overall. And you're you're hitting well. I, I don't have many concerns right now. I I, I think, you know, I, I'm 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 more excited 
right now than I was, let's say, a week or two ago. Absolutely. That's amazing that a week ago today yeah. was the trade deadline. <laughs> And I'm with you about the offense. I, I'm excited about the depth of the offense, and I know what Yachty is going to be. He's not going to be what he was. Right. It's kind of like having a pitcher yeah. hitting eighth rather yeah. than having a catcher hitting eighth. But he brings so much to the pitching staff from behind the plate, yes. and, and especially when you have a young bullpen, he's going to guide guys. And I like Jordan Montgomery a lot. I like Michaelis. I like Wainwright. Uh, but my question is, I, I can't just retroactively go back and say, oh yeah, I've always liked Jose Quintana because I never really have loved Jose (laughs) Quintana. So I'm still concerned, and I'm with you about bringing Flaherty back. That'd be great. But I'm concerned about Quintana and Hudson at the back of the rotation, and we'll see. I hope it works out for the Cardinals. One thing about Quintana, he takes the ball and he gives you innings, but he's not a guy that is spectacular. He's just kind of a workman-like pitcher. And it's good to have those guys, but I'm just worried about him blowing up at some point. Yeah, I think yeah, I, like I said, I think if you can get Flaherty back, that would that would yeah. definitely help. Um, you know, Dakota Hudson, what is he? Who is he? Is he going to in those big moments? Is he going to shine bright? And 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 if you don't have Flaherty back, obviously he has to be. You know, in 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 that moment, um, are you are you concerned about a, a true number one and ace? Is is Michaelis or Wainwright? And I know Wayno is 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 he's he, we're the same age I believe, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah, I, I'm yeah. I'm old, so I, I won't say Wayno is, but I am. Um, you know, I, I, are you are you concerned at all about the the starting the the ace the number one? No, because guys rise to the occasion, and I, I thought last year that the Dodgers when they got Scherzer were unstoppable, mm-hmm. and then Scherzer gets knocked around after they the Dodgers had put him in the bullpen. Degrom is hurt, so I don't know who's going to be there. Would I love the idea of going against the Mets and Scherzer and Degrom to start a three-game series? No. no. <laughs> but that being said, it wouldn't surprise me if Adam Wainwright would go toe to toe with. Well, he did in the in the yeah. in the wild card game last year. It wouldn't surprise me if Wayno could go toe to toe with a guy like Max Scherzer. The thing that that I love about Wayno and I, people always say, "Oh, you're getting up there. You're getting up." He still shows up in the most mm-hmm. critical, most important moments. I think about the game a couple of days ago. It was bases loaded, and he he was able to get out of that inning where you like, oh, if he if if you know most forty year olds, we, oh, here we go. We're gonna be it's yeah. gonna be a long day at the ballpark. But he was able to get out of there, and then the Cardinals took the lead. I, I'm excited about you know what they have. I just want to make sure we are. Our number one is ready for whomever number one we face, you know, come playoff time. And you and I, from a competitive standpoint, are old school. And there's a great story. We've got it in our system about Chris Carpenter before the game against Halliday in 2011, mm-hmm. sitting on the bus telling a couple of guys, hey, just give me a couple of runs and we're going to win. The, the, the guy that said, that. Put, me, uh, <laughs> put, the, put the team on my back and, and loved that environment, yeah. but then physically was capable of it too. At 40, it's hard to be capable of it. He'll be 41 when the playoffs come, but you love to have that horse that says, yeah, you just, you, you, like the, with Bob Gibson, and it's not going to happen again, Bob Gibson would come into the dugout after the Cardinals had, or leave the dugout after the Cardinals had scored a run in the first inning. Mike Shannon would say, there's your run, big boy. <laughs> and then and then get to the pitch shut up. Let's go. That's all you needed, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's got to be a beautiful thing when you get to, hey, we got you one. Mm-hmm. Now let's go. We, yeah. Nobody else scores. But I don't know if the Dodgers have that guy. Walker Bueller's really good, but he's been hurt all year. Kershaw, we've seen him in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. And... A guy I like Jose Urias, or there are two guys that are having the really good years, Gonsolin, who the Cardinals beat up, and Tyler Anderson. 
I really think the only legit big time number one in the National League, number one pitcher right now is Max Scherzer. All due respect to the Braves who won the World Series. Heck, one of their best pitchers last year in the playoffs was Ian Anderson. He got sent down to the minors two days ago. Max Fried is a stud. He's really good. But Scherzer is the only guy that I say, man, I hate going against him in the playoffs. Does DeGrom scare you with with how he's been been coming along the last last few starts? If he's pitching, I'm scared to death. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just not sure he's going to be there. Got you. Yeah. Uh, Sad news last night for the Yankees. Matt Carpenter, the former Cardinal, after having the great weekend here in St. Louis where he got all of the standing ovations, fouls a ball off of his foot in a game against the Mariners and breaks his foot. And Marp said after the game he doesn't know how long he'll be out. He hopes that he can be back for the stretch run. But one of the great stories in baseball this year. I mean, he was he was you you would think that that he was done with baseball mm-hmm. when he left here uh, and, and able to come back and I think he's leading the league in OPS just yeah. just hitting the ball really well getting on base playing at a at an elite level um, and it's it, it sucks it's not great to to be able to get hurt and and not be able to play you know it's 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 hard and it's unfortunate hopefully it, it heals you know maybe it's a three to four week time period and and he can be back for the playoffs. Uh, but you know, shouts out to him. I hope he does does get better and does get healthy because he's been he's been hitting the ball extremely well and playing extremely well. And it's even though he's no longer a Cardinal, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, one thing I love about Cardinals fans is they recognize and appreciate the work that you've done here when you come back. And they and they and they you know, stand an ovation, applaud you, and make sure that you know that you were loved and appreciated. I was traveling to Canton last week and my ankle was sore and it killed me. I'm mm-hmm. limping all over the place. I know that as a player you've dealt with ankles oh, yeah. and feet and you look at a guy like Alan Craig who was great for the Cardinals and a bad foot basically ended his yeah. career so they have to really be careful with it. What was your foot deal? My worst injury in, and, and anybody the worst injury I've ever had in life is turf toe. Oh man! It yeah. is. It is. It is that and a tailbone. The, I, I bru- bruised tailbone and a turf and turf toe. You can't sit down with, with a bruised tailbone. You can't stand up long either. <laughs> and we, you don't. You never know how important your big toe is until you try to walk on it and you can't. So that right. to me was was. You have turf toe. You. You might well, you might want to cut it off. Well, Just say the hell, the hell with it. I, it hurts too bad. <laughs> Remember, Dion, it caused him to and, retire the first and, time. And, and I, I wonder if that is that's the cause of why he ended up losing his toes. He he had his he had some had to amputate a toe or two. I wonder if that had played a part in it as well because that turf toe is a real real deal. Yeah. You know who had turf toe, and it, there were a lot of things that affected the guy's career. Lawrence Phillips, like in his rookie year, had turf toe, and it really set him back. And I, I don't think he was ever there. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff with Lawrence yeah. going on, but uh, I don't think that he ever really bounced back that, from that physically. I need fans to understand: if someone says they have turf toe, leave them alone. <laughs> it hurts like hell. It is really bad. One of the other things I want to touch on later in the show, because you're a, a Steeler for life, and you pay attention to what's going on. What do you think's happening with the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh? I have no clue. <laughs> I wish I I, I, I I have absolutely no clue. I, they brought in Mitchell Trubisky. I thought that you know, okay, here we go, and then they draft Kenny Pickett. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go, and now I hear that Mason Rudolph, the guy that has been there the entire time, is playing the best in yeah, camp. Yeah, that's scary. It's the it, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're in a very tough division. I know everyone talks about the AFC West. The AFC North is probably the second best division in football with with the quarterbacks that are available in that in that division. It's going to be a a long season. The AFC West has 
quarterbacks and offenses, the AFC North is going to beat you up. Every right? time. All four defenses, yes. all due respect to Cleveland. We, well, not much respect to Cleveland, right? <laughs> but they're, they're all going to beat you up. Yeah. You're it's going gonna... to be a, it's gonna be a tough season in that division. And, you know, Mike T has done a great job his entire career never having a losing season. You don't have seven under center. It's going to be a yeah. tough time trying to figure out who's going to be passing the ball and, and, and you know, who's getting open to get those passes. And it's interesting, Kerry, because they just gave all that money to Deontay Johnson. They have Claypool. Uh, they drafted a receiver in the second round. But if they can fix the offensive line, that's a team that I could see running the ball 60% of the time. If you Because you got Najee Harris, yep. and he is a stud. He is a guy. He ran the ball so many times, and, and it was for three yards, two yards, eight yards. I, I, I want. I don't know how many. I wish I, I. I wish I had the number of how many runs he had over twenty plus runs, mm-hmm. twenty plus yard runs. Because I don't think it was many. He was just grounding, grinding, 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 and and it was a long season. I don't want him to have that type of season again. Mm-hmm. I would like to see some more breakout runs because he has great speed, great agility. Um, but like you said, you got to create some holes for him to get going. Those fans would hate it if they ran the ball and played defense. Ah, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Diller football? What are we doing here? Kerry <laughs> Davis. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. It is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Cardinals do open a series in Colorado tonight, and they're going to have Nolan Arenado at third base. Are we giving the Cardinals enough credit for Arenado? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And the 3-2, Goldie off with the pitch, and Arenado hits him Sports and Nolan Arenado will be back in Denver tonight as the Cardinals open a three-game series with the Rockies. Kerry Davis in for Michelle and Kerry. We get this from the 312. Listening from the Croatian coast on a private yacht via the app. Thank you very much from listening from the Croatian coast on a yacht. I'm sure you're having a great time. Sounds amazing. And for us to be a part of your trip, we're honored. It's pretty cool. What time is it there? You, would be my question. Uh, six five seven eight zero. Oh. Uh, what time is it in Croatia? But uh, I'm yeah. gonna take I'm gonna take a wild shot right at the pot right now. At uh, so it's seven nineteen here, seven twenty. I'm gonna take a shot at five twenty right now. I was gonna in say about four, four twenty or five. I was gonna say four, yes. four twenty. So, text us your first name from the three one two from the Croatian yacht. And That's if amazing. you are listening from another yacht, feel free to text us. And, and if you feel like having Randy and I on said yacht at any time, <laughs> please let us know. We, <laughs> we will, right now, even before, we will RSVP in a positive manner. We'll yes, be there. We'll be there. Let us know. Carrie, we'd lose on the prices right. It's two twenty PM ah, right now. In, the afternoon, in Dubrovnik, Croatia in the afternoon. We're yes, over. Sir. Can't That's be great. over. <laughs> Good for you. Have, have a great time today on your uh, yacht off the Croatian coast. Enjoy your afternoon. So, 
Carrie, the Cardinals will have Nolan Arenado at third base tonight. And Nolan Arenado, as a member of the Cardinals in a year and two-thirds, has a slash line of 272, 335, 516, and 851 OPS. In a year and two-thirds, he's at 56 homers, 173 runs batted in. The guys the Cardinals gave up. Elahuris Montero just got called up to the majors. In 55 at-bats in the majors, he has 15 hits and one home run. Austin Gomber, the pitcher of the Cardinals, gave up. Is 14-16 and 16 with a 5.04 earned run average in Colorado. The other three players are all in high A. Infielder Mateo Gill, 22 years old, in high A. He just came off an injury rehab in rookie ball. 25-year-old pitcher Jake Summers is on the 60-day IL, and he is in high A. 24-year-old pitcher Tony Losey is in high A. He's 4-1 and one with a 3.09 for Spokane. The fact that Summers is 25 and Losey is 24, and Gill is at high A and 22. He might turn out to be a player. I'm just assuming that the Cardinals are going to win this trade in decisive fashion. It, it seems as though they already have. I mean, there were talks of Arenado as, as NL MVP a few weeks ago. And, and as you said, just playing at a high level, playing at an elite level, um, and, and playing right now. I, I know when we talk about trades, uh, you talk about the prospects, that the pieces that you're going to get back. and that how. But you never really know how those guys are going to pan out. Are they going to get injured? Are they going to pan out and be elite level you know, starters in the, in the, in the ML, in the in major leagues, you never know. But to get a guy that is doing it at that time and is capable of doing it is always, in my opinion, a great thing over you know something that you you are uncertain of and uncertainty. Mark DeRosa of MLB Network was a guy that was acquired by John Mozeliak back in 2009 when Mo gave up three players that weren't that great for Matt Holiday. He's seen the trades for. Paul Goldschmidt, he's seen the the other deals that Mo has made. And granted, yes, the Cardinals did give up Sandy Alcantara. They did give up Randy Arozarena. But when you look at the body of work, Mark DeRosa is a guy that thinks that maybe there's some Mo hypnotism going on here. When the dust settled, okay? I don't know if he was putting some kabuki mind tricks on some people. July 31st, he sits in the booth. This is a setup of all setups. We'll get A.J. Preller and Andy. Andrew Friedman has to start panicking. (laughs) Did he slip something in David Stearns' drink when no one was looking? Because August 1st, he watches his division rival trade arguably one of the greatest closers of all time. What did he do to Brian Cashman? Hey, Brian, can I have your number three starter, Jordan Montgomery, who I'm in turn going to pitch against you a couple days later and have him throw five shut out innings against the Yank, but it was just, when you take it all in, if I'm John Mosellock, I am going home at night with a bourbon. <laughs> it's Me. not 100% bourbon, <laughs> and, a, and a cigar and saying to myself, did I just and a smoking pull the okie doke? <laughs> On the entire league? <laughs> and off and, the bat. And a smoking row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> DeRosa was referring to a TV shot on the Nationals broadcast that last Sunday in Washington where Mo is shaking hands with Mike Rizzo, yeah. the general manager of the Nationals. And everybody across America sees this and they're thinking, oh, Mo's got a deal for Juan Soto. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, A.J. Preller ups the ante a little bit. That's why. I mean, that's amazing. He, and, and he talked about getting Jordan Montgomery, who came in, pitched five innings and and only you know had the, I think started cramping up St. Louis yeah. Heat this is the first time here you. You, you, it'll get you if you're not accustomed to it um but what you were able to get everyone thought you know kind of 
Juan Soto, Juan Soto, Juan Soto, and you don't go that route at all and make this trade, and and your team is better for it. Mm-hmm. And it, that to me, maybe maybe Mo does have a little. He knows a little, a lot more than I do, obviously, yeah. because I was on the Juan Soto bandwagon, jumping, parading. Let's go, let's get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we didn't go that route. And this team has has responded in a positive way uh, without him. And by the way, going back to the Arenado trade. The Rockies didn't have to trade him. He requested, demanded a trade, but they didn't have to trade him. And they certainly had some leverage. So they send, the Cardinals do, five players that have, for the most part, really struggled at the major or minor league level. And they get Arenado, and they get $51 million. So maybe there are some mind tricks going on with Mo here. Because I'm like you. I I didn't think that Jordan Montgomery was going to do what he did against the Yankees. But he he should have been the Yankees' number 3 starter. He should have been a guy that got opportunities in the playoffs. And he's exactly what the Cardinals needed. In addition to being a guy with postseason experience, left-handed pitcher with a year of control, it's a pretty remarkable trade that the Cardinals made. And I would argue, Kerry, that when you look at the, the other trades that were made, that the Mariners, in trading for Luis Castillo, they had to give up their one, I believe it was their one, two, three, and 11 prospects. The Yankees, to get Fra- Frankie Montas, gave up four of their top 20 prospects, and I think three of those were in the top 10. The Cardinals give up their injured center fielder, and they have another center right. fielder to take his place. And then with the Quintana trade, one guy that they had tried time and time again with to get going at the major league level in Oviedo, and another guy who's primarily a third baseman when you already have Arenado, you have Jordan Walker, right. uh, there's a, another third baseman in the system. They've got, plus you've got a guy that's going to be in place for five years, they've got third baseman so they could afford to give up Malcolm Nunez, who might, by the way, turn out to be a really good player. But they get a serviceable Quality start every time pitcher in Jose Quintana. You you and, and that's the thing I said earlier. You never know if until a person actually comes up and does it consistently. You what they do in the minors, yeah, you project it to translate to the majors, but you never really know until they get there. And to to get someone that is doing it on a consistent basis, in my opinion, at, at an all star elite type of level, is always the guy that I would prefer and have years mm-hmm. under contract yeah. to be able to. Not one year, not you know, be able to have him here for for multiple years to to have that 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 success is is always what I would prefer over over minor league um, potential. Yeah, there, there's a, a, a saying that um, prospects are great, parades are better. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But that being said, you played for a football franchise that never brought in the ridiculously yeah. high paid superstar free agent. Does how how does a locker room feel about that? Because obviously, it seems like the front office has earned the benefit of the doubt. But when you're playing for an organization like that, do you do you ever wish, man? I wish they bring in that big time, big money guy. You know, I, I think when you are one thing about in Pittsburgh, we developed players. Like you draft well, you evaluate well, you draft well, and then you develop those young guys. And they're in the locker room with older guys who who can show you the ropes, and not just you know football savvy, but but life savvy, professional athlete savvy, and those are the things that allow you to become more successful in your in your game, whatever sport it is, because there are a lot of things you have to manage, not just 
you know, in baseball, not just hitting the ball, not just fielding the ball. Okay, well, road trips. What do I? How do I plan mm-hmm. for that? And what well, my family is coming in town. What do I need to do? Oh my God, I'm going to my home city. What is? There are a lot of things that happen that you are unaware of as a young player. That that when you have those guys in there, it it definitely is a benefit. Um, and and if you bring in people who are not of your culture. It can change the culture because they may be coming from a place. I played in a lot of places, Randy, I tell you, and and Pittsburgh was by far the best culture that I played in, not just because I won the Super Bowl, but that's why we won the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. because the culture was that way. Some places I went, I won't say any names, it was like a car show in the parking lot. (laughs) Who got the best car? Who's driving the best vehicle? And and, every day it was one of those types of deals. So, you know, it, 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 can help when you get that big time star mm-hmm. in as long as they are of the culture of how you do things and how you handle things. And I think Goldie and I think Arenado are Cardinals players and understand the culture of what it is. And you would like Walker and Wynn to get a chance to spend time with them. Yes, I would love for them to be able to come up and spend time and 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 you know play and understand, watch how they take at bats, watch how they go through the process of day to day. You know, going through their 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 workout regimen and and preparing for a game, and you know, you got three games in a row. How do you prepare for that versus you know a day off? And and what are the the the, the what's the process of this so I can learn it so that I can flourish and 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 become the best player I can be. What one quick anecdote about what you're talking about about teaching guys the ropes? BT tells a story about his first road trip. Gets off the bus and goes over to start picking up his bag. And Jimmy Edmonds says, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm getting my bag and going up to my room. And Jimmy Edmonds says, you're in the big leagues now. You don't have to carry your bag anymore. <laughs> Just <laughs> little things, things you like don't that. know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Things yeah. you don't know. You learn on the way. Yeah. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker coming up. The new Cardinal yearbook is out for 2022. Stan McNeil of the Cardinals magazine and the Cardinal yearbook joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We found out that the first name of the person listening from the private yacht off Croatia is Chuck. And it's 2.20. It is officially now 2.36 uh, in the afternoon there. And we have another listener uh, listening on the app from Gulf Shores, Alabama on the beach. That is a 618 listener. And so we appreciate you tuning in on the app. And by the way, if you're going to go on a vacation and you're going to find yourself during the day, maybe just on the deck of a private yacht, get yourself the Cardinal Yearbook. And Stan McNeil from Cardinal Magazine and the Cardinal Yearbook is with us and the yearbook is out. Stan, I can't imagine anything better than being on a private yacht off of Croatia with the sun shining, a great drink by your side, and with the Cardinal Yearbook opened and checking out all of the great material that you and your staff have provided. Man, let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Uh, the, as I've said on here before, the, the yearbook is focused on uh, Adam Wainwright, his uh, celebrating 50. We're looking back at uh, his career, which is far from over at this point. But uh, so, uh, you know, when uh, I don't know if you're watching the game on Saturday on TV, but at one point they showed Adam, they interviewed Adam because they always interview Adam during the game because he's such a great interview. They interviewed Adam. And he was with Willie, standing by Willie McGee, and he tried to, you know, bring Willie out a little bit. And that that got me thinking, like, uh, here's a question for you, which, difficult question, but there's no wrong answer. 
but just strictly baseball, who had the better career, Willie or Wayno? Who do you think had the be- the better better career? I mean, very different, obviously. Yeah, talking about a starting pitcher and a, and a center fielder, but uh, both great careers, both pretty decorated, both world champions. But I was just thinking, you know, I'm both kind of like on the fringe of Cooperstown, mm-hmm. kind of, but not quite there. I think because uh, Willie got the MVP and the two batting titles, and Wayno is. Did he he led the league in year in wins one time right with twenty two is that right twenty fourteen no he he's led the league but with nineteen nineteen okay times with nineteen yeah so yep. but, very similar I guess the one difference would be the MVP for Willie versus Wayno finishing second in Cy Young a couple of times for, yeah yeah because uh, Wayno's got the what the four top three finishes and Willie never really got any other and any other season got any MVP votes, <laughs> but he got his great he got his trophy. So that's a great, great point. For me, it's Willie McGee solely because I was a child in the '80s watching the Cardinals and and <laughs> watching him and Vince Coleman play. It was it was fun for me and it was exciting. Hey, Stan, when you when you talk about Wayno, how how um how exciting has this season been for him and the process that he's been going through? You know, all the naysayers saying that he was, um, you know, maybe over the hill and, and wasn't going to be able to do the things that he's done this year. Did he, did he, did he go into that a little bit? And, and can you touch on that? He absolutely. I mean, he, he says he's having more fun pitching now than he, than he ever has. And it's partly, I mean, largely because of what he has been through to get to this point. Uh, you know, we asked him, I asked him, like, what is his most kind of, what season does he think is his best or his most meaningful season to him? And he, he pointed to two. He pointed to last year for the very reason we're talk about, talking about. And he also pointed to his first year, 2006, which was the year he kind of proved to himself that he could, he could pitch, you know, be a good major league pitcher. Stan McNeil, Cardinals Magazine, with us on 101 ESPN. Stan, I got to tell you, I'm surprised that the Cardinals have won nine of 10 and seven in a row since the deadline. What did you foresee when they made the trades for Quintana and, uh, and uh, Jordan Montgomery? Well, I did not foresee a sweep of the Yankees, including a 1-0 game, <laughs> you know, that the Cardinals won. But no, I thought, you know, going into that, that they needed pitching, obviously. And when you look at it a day after the trade deadline, when you look at that rotation, it's like that's clearly a stronger team. I mean, last year when the team made the trade for Jay Happ and uh, John Lester, it was more of kind of a just uh, let's let's get through this. You know, I mean, they were they were you know obviously decorated pitchers had good careers, but they were at near the end of it. This year with Montgomery and Quintana, you're getting guys that can start a playoff game for you. You know, it's just kind of a different feel, different quality of pitcher. And that's not to say that happened Lester. Look what happened last year after they got here. But you're just kind of starting at a better place, I think, with uh, Quintana and Montgomery. After the sweep, which, as you said, none of us really expected or, or were very surprised to see. And after a week ago, not getting Juan Soto, and I think most of St. Louis was down about that. How how do you see the rest of this season going, and, and how much of a run can this team make in the playoffs? You know, I, uh, I think uh, we saw this weekend they can play with anybody. And I think, you know, it's interesting about the Soto not getting Juan Soto while fans were probably disappointed with that, there was probably a good feeling in the clubhouse, at least among the young guys, that, hey, I'm here, this team believes in me, let's go, kind of, you know. And I think really after they acquired the pitching, I think everybody kind of felt like, yeah, we've, we've got a team here, 
if we play to our ability, if we play to the level that we're capable of, we can play with anybody. And like I said, showed that this weekend. And Stan, you've been watching this for a long time. I've been watching this for a long time. The Padres get Soto, and they allow 27 runs to the Dodgers over three games. You've got to pitch. Absolutely. You know, and that, I mean, did that trade backfire? I mean, look at what's happened to the Brewers since they traded Josh Hader to the <laughs> Padres. You know, I mean, you just never know. It's, it's baseball, of course. But, uh, but, yeah, you've got to have the pitching. And, you know, moving forward, you look at the Cardinals' rotation, and you have to feel pretty good about it. That was going to lead me to my next question. What did you think of the Brewers trading away Josh Hader? What, what was that about, and, and what, what are they trying to do over there? You know, that's a money situation. They know that he's going to be making big bucks, and uh, they're not really you know, a team that's going to pay a reliever that kind of money. So they saw an opportunity after he had faltered a little bit earlier in the month, like maybe this is the time we can, we can move him without uh, <laughs> things falling apart. But uh, so far, that trade has not worked out. Stan McNeil, the perfect souvenir of a perfect Cardinal, the Adam Wainwright edition of the Cardinal yearbook available now. And folks can get it at cardinals.com slash magazine. Just click on the yearbook tab. And I, I assume it's available at the team store as well, right? Absolutely. At the ballpark and online. There's your best bets. All right. It's fantastic. And we mention it every week, but the, the quality of the paper, the quality of the pictures, the color, and of course, the, the editorial work that you and your staff put into it is remarkable. And for any Cardinal fan, it's a, it's a great keepsake and a great item, the Cardinal yearbook celebrating 50. Stan, always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. See you later. Stan McNeil. Joining us on 101 ESPN, Stan uh, was with the Sporting News when it was here in St. Louis and is even now as the Cardinals uh, writer for Cardinal Magazine, and he he oversees it, but he's as tied in as anybody in baseball. He knows what's going on. I need to talk to Stan. He worked for Sporting News. Yeah. I was the number two fullback my senior year, Uh-oh. and I, I should have been number one. I wonder if I, I need to talk to somebody. And see if I can get that clarified, get that correction made, because I still bothers me. So who was number one? Fullback from Nebraska. I don't know, right? I didn't. I, I can't remember. I think it's from Nebraska. I can't what remember year was it? 2003. I'm guessing that in 2003, the fullback from Nebraska probably weighed 260. No question. And then by the time he got to the NFL, might have weighed 200. <laughs> Just saying. It's possible. Gary <laughs> <laughs> Davis, Randy Carriker, take it or leave it. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocchio, Kerry Davison for Michelle, Randy Carricker, and we welcome your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Kerry, uh, Russell Wilson took time out of his schedule to go to the last Sue Bird WNBA game in Seattle, and he got booed by Seattle <laughs> fans when he was shown on the big screen. Take It or Leave It, in Seattle, Russell deserved to get booed. 
I think well, I think Pete Carroll deserves to get booed <laughs> for throwing the ball on the goal line. Oh, that's one thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should boo Russell. Russell brought you all a championship. He, hey, he may have left, but he le- at least left the place in a better better way than he would, than it was when he got there. So I, I don't think he should get booed. I, I leave that. I'm with you because I don't think, for example, when Albert left here, I don't think that he should have been booed yeah. when he left as a free agent. Uh, I know that Russell wanted to move to a place where he had a better chance to win, but that's not his fault. That's the, the Seahawks' yes. fault. And because of what you said, because he delivered them so many great memories, I don't think Russell Wilson should not be booed in Seattle. Not at all. I, I, I got one for you, Randy. Kevin Durant. Is, is asking has requested a trade and now he's come out and they've come out and said that he will stay if the GM and the head coach are gone. Take it or leave it. He it, it ain't happening. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. He may get one, but not the other. I'm gonna take that. He already got one coach fired, Kenny Atkinson, and the the owner came out last night, Joe Sy, and said, "Hey, we're gonna do what's best for our franchise." Kerry, if I'm another franchise, unless I'm Pops in San Antonio, Steve Kerr in uh, Golden State, or Pat Riley and Eric Spolster in Miami. If I'm one of the other franchises, I don't trade for this guy yeah. because he's getting guys fired. Yeah. Left and right. Yeah. And, and and not very decisive. That one way, one minute, another way, another minute. I, I think he's a hell of a basketball player if he would just play basketball and, and he needs some help. Kyrie and Ben got to help him. I but. think we're seeing more and more that Charles Barkley was right. That Kevin Durant is not the bus driver for that, a championship that was a, franchise. That was a, an incredible statement mm-hmm. <laughs> when he said that, and people kind of looked at him like, what? But it, it's true. When you are the one that, that gets on the bus, loads the bus, and drives the bus, and everybody else just gets the ride, mm-hmm. you've taken road trips, Randy. I'm sure your yep. family has fallen asleep while you're driving. They have. Because yeah. you're the driver. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they have no worries that you're going to get there safely. And that's what Charles was talking about. I'm driving yeah. this thing. You all take a nap, take a rest, yep. get you some sleep. We'll and, get there safely. And we're going to get to our destination. We're going to get there safely yep. and win games. Yep. All right, your text 65780. Matthew Rocchio has the text line up. What do you got for us, sir? Take it or leave it. The trade of Hater not only costs the Brewers the division, it also costs the entire postseason for them. I'm going to take I'll, that. I'll take that as well. If the playoffs started today, they would not be in the postseason. They've lost five of six to the Reds and Pirates, and four of those were games that were blown by their bullpen. One thing that, that you don't take into consideration, you know, we talk about trades and, and you know, losing people, bringing people in. Sometimes when you when you lose people, it can be a good thing because that person maybe have been causing issues. But when you lose a guy that is one of your best players, when you trade away it, it, it psychologically it does something to you as a player. Like, what the hell are we doing? Mm-hmm. That, that I, I'm sure there are multiple brewers that have had multiple conversations with each other. What the hell are we doing? And Why are we was, doing? Yeah, a good guy too. Yeah, very it, popular in the clubhouse. It, it's hard to and and it could do just the opposite when you when you don't trade anyone away a big piece as in the Cardinals didn't. Mm-hmm. We're let's go. We're good. Psychologically, yeah. we're ready to roll. Take it or leave it. Missouri football goes six and six. All right, I'll I'll let you start with this. I have not seen the schedule, but they still play in the SEC, don't they? Yes, they yeah, do. They, they do, do they have Bama or I or like, I don't like they got Tennessee? I'm sure on the schedule. I don't, I don't Tennessee, like how you're laying this out, Tennessee is probably a win. Okay, um, I like how you're laying this out, Kerry. I would say Mizzou guy here, by the way. I, I, I can tell in his in his tone. Okay. So let me we'll, we'll just run it down here. And first of all, they do have four non-conference games, which is well, that, a, a big thing. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, Let's get started then with K-State September 10th. Win. Okay. Abilene Christian. Win. At Auburn. Loss? 
I think that's going to be that, that might be a, that a might swing be a, game for them. Yeah, that, that'll be a toss-up. Auburn is a disaster area right now. They lost their defensive coordinator. They, they lost a, they, two offensive coordinators. And and their coach is, is on the hot seat as well. Yeah, for, they, the, yeah, the boosters in Auburn some, yeah. where they can get guys fired. They already yeah. don't like him. Yeah. So, but I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll say that that's a loss. Okay, Georgia's a loss. So you're two and two. Okay. At Florida. That's another toss-up. That's a toss-up because they went they they beat Florida last year or yeah, the year before right. where they, they they played pretty well. And now they, Florida has a new coach, so let's give Missouri a victory there. Okay. Let's get them up to three and two. Vandy should be a win, four and two at South Carolina. That's that's always weird that's, for Missouri. South Carolina is a, that's a tough game for and them. And they every always time. lose it on the road. Yes. So three and three. They'll beat them at home. Yeah. But they 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 lose on the road. Yeah. Kentucky at home. Kentucky is a sneaky one because they, they were a very good team. They 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 are starting to turn the corner. I'm going to say that might be a lo- at, at home. I think Kentucky's beat Mizzou five times in a I row. I would now. say Kentucky probably wins that. Okay, game. so three and four at Tennessee. Last year Tennessee had put up 62 on Mizzou, and Eli is not happy. That's one game where if Eli can get circle the wagons, they're going to at Tennessee. I'm going to say they win against Tennessee. I, okay, so we're four and four. Okay. Uh, New Mexico State and Arkansas are last two. Win, win. Yeah, so I think you get to six. Yeah, yeah, you got them at five hundred. That's completely, it's completely <laughs> yeah. fair. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just giving you, you there. It's, I honestly think the sky, like limit this season is eight and six because even in college football, if you have two quarterbacks. You don't have one, yeah. and and that's that's the problem. That's in and, any and football. It has, <laughs> any football. You're going into fall camp with with still having a quarterback battle. It's hard to have extremely high expectations, especially when you're talking about an SEC team. But they do have Luther Burden. Yes, they, they do. do, and yeah. he he is has the potential to be a game changer. Yes, he does. And the other part of them uh, is that I think they are. We we talk about Auburn. I think Auburn. Is it a game, if everything goes well for Mizzou on the road, they could win that. Problem is with college football now, with the transfer portal, you just don't know. You, you have no clue. You yeah. don't know what's going on, who's going to be. Sometimes they, they they leave after after week three and say, I'm out of here. I can't, yeah. I can't take it anymore. College football has changed. The landscape mm-hmm. is changing. And I think it's going to continue to change over the next three to five years to where, you know, it, it, it may not be recognizable, but it may be a better product than than what we've had over the last few decades. Speaking of college football changing, take it or leave it, Bama will be back in the national championship game again this upcoming season. I, I would take that. I yeah, mean, if you're a betting safe, man, right? that's, that's one of the safest yeah. You know, stocks, safe stocks, the yeah. bets that you can make, things you can invest your money in. Bama has to be what a blue chipper. Right? One of the things that are not gonna fail if ever. They were in the championship <laughs> game last year, Kerry, and Nick Saban said it was a rebuilding year. <laughs> That is amazing, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I'm an Illinois guy. I would love to have that be my it's my one year. one year. You know, my 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 just every year. Just give me one year. Like you said, just yeah, give me one. Floor. Yeah. My my floor, my basement. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Mizzou fan. Matthew's a Mizzou grad. Give Mizzou one Alabama rebuilding year. Here, here's here's how I'll put it in context. <laughs> I have in my lifetime seen Mizzou be technically three three times, but realistically two times, be one game away from playing in a national title game, mm-hmm. and I still don't think I'll ever see them actually play in a national title game in my life. That's how messed up the psychosis of being a Mizzou fan is, and that it's it's been feasible twice. Mm-hmm. 
impossible three times. And yet I still think, eh, they're probably never even going to make a national championship game. And here's Nick Saban over here like, nah, well, maybe next year we can get better. <laughs> it's absolutely frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you put together their receiving core from a couple of years ago before they had Jamison Williams. If you put that group together now, it would be the best receiving core in the NFL. They are. They are. I mean, they 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 continue to do it at a high level every year. Yeah, amazing. It's, it's awesome. Take it or leave it. The Blues are a physical fourth liner, a top six net front presence, and a solid backup goalie away from being true contenders. I'll take that. Take it as well. Yeah, they uh, and they Is might. Is that a lot to yeah. ask for? It's uh, at the end <laughs> when, when you're already capped. When you're already capped out in free agency, pretty much ended a week ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the the fourth line might be here, and Achari, the the free agent that they signed, that's going to be the fourth line center, has a chance to really help. They'll get Torupchenko back, who by the way has changed his number to thirteen. That's a good fourth line number. And then you've got various and sundry other guys. You've got Nathan Walker. You've got Logan Brown. So the fourth line might be okay. The net front presence is going to be an issue, but you just have to hope. And hopefully Vladdy can be that guy. He still he weighs 220 pounds. You got to be guy. able to put the puck in the net. Yep. And it, and Vladdy has done that at a high yep. level. Let's yeah. hope he continues to do that. But the the goaltending issue, you, you've and got a lot of injuries two, last year. Yeah, and, some and, injuries, some untimely injuries, and, and losing Huso, and yeah. then losing Charlie Lindgren, those are two big losses. So they signed Thomas Grice, and it's been a long time since Grice has been very good. So that is a concern. You need over the course of six months Jordan Bennington to play really well, yes. and he hasn't played well for six months yet in the NHL. That's not good. I really like extremely pointed. Uh, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. So they get texted in, so I like this one here. Take it or leave it. Hazelwood Central will beat Lutheran North in football this year. Ha 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 ha. Well, I, I am the head coach of Hazel Central, so I, I have to take that. I mean, you know, I you ask a question, I have yeah. to answer, so, so there you go. I'll take it, too, and I always <laughs> love it when coaches guarantee a victory. <laughs> it's always great bulletin board material, isn't it? What else Thanks, is, texter. That's the thing. What else is he going to say? Gotcha, Carrie. Sorry about you. Sorry about you, buddy. It's on wax I now. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> take it or leave it. More Budweiser will be drank at Coors Field this week than Coors. Take it. I'll take yeah, that. Cardinal fans are going to be showing up oh, yeah. in force and drinking the Budweiser. Let's get one more. Take it or leave it. Vladdy will be traded by the deadline. Leave it. I'll leave that. Yeah. I mean, you you lost you lost out on Kachuk. I think that was something that they were, you know, most of it, it's, it's as a St. Louis fan, it was a little bit it was a frustrating thing two or three weeks where, where Kachuk didn't make it here and Soto didn't make it right. here. And now you got you're looking at Vladdy who had requested a trade some a few years ago, but now you can't get rid of him because you got, as I just said, you got to put the puck in the net, and he does that at a, at an elite level. So it's kind of amazing when you think about it. The, the guy that doesn't want to be here is here, and the guy that was dying to be here is in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy how life works out, ain't it? I, I think the Blues will be a contender at the deadline, and I don't think Doug Armstrong, if they have a chance to win a cup, will move him. By the way, if they are in seventh or eighth place in the conference. I could see that move happening if the Blues could get a number one for him. They they did it with Kevin Chattenkirk. They did it with Paul Stastny. I could certainly see it with Vladdy. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we want your mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop or your text 65780. What worries you about the Cardinals right now as they've won seven in a row and nine out of ten? Any concerns? You're next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. 
brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. It's 8.07 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis is in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and we thank you for tuning in here on a Tuesday morning. And we want to know what worries you about the Cardinals. What are you concerned about at the moment with the fact that they have won seven in a row and nine of ten? Things are going really well, but there's always something to worry about, and we want to know what worries you right now. Here's one. I'm worried about the fact that the Dodgers are going to be the opponent in the NLCS. That's what I'm concerned about. Dodgers and the Mets are, as our friend Steve Savard would say, they're a snootful. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to face one of them. So yeah. you got to, I mean, you can't be afraid of them, Randy. You got to, obviously, as, as a fan and as a, as a commentator looking in, you look at the roster and you say, oh, ooh, that's my, that matchup, oh, that, that doesn't bode well for us. But as a player, bring them on. You know, whomever it is, let me have them. Let's let's get at it and let's take care of business. Um, so I'm I'm not personally, especially after our seven game win streak, ready. What the, what are you talking about? We're ready to roll. We're, we're going. Hey, I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm concerned about the back end of the rotation, but in the playoffs, that's you not really it, it, something that you, you have to be concerned about. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it because you know, you first two or three, three, maybe four starters, mm-hmm. and and you rely you can rely more heavily on your bullpen. In the playoffs, they don't play. Every night as well, do they? Is it is it spaced? They'll have out? a night off. They'll have a yeah. night off. So you you don't have to tax your bullpen. It's not as taxing when you have to pitch every single day. Um, mm-hmm. So that that helps as well. I, I I like where we are right now. I'm I'm more excited today than I was seven days ago. I am absolutely. And by the way, I am really excited. And we saw it last year only in the wild card game. But I'm excited to see what Arenado and Goldschmidt can do together in a series. That's going to be fun. Yeah. that's And with the way Carlson has played, and you don't yeah. know if he's going to be able to maintain it into October, it's such a different game. And the playoffs are always a different game. And 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 DeYoung coming along. Yeah. Like, it, it, I, I gave it, you know, last week when I was on a couple weeks ago, it was it – was, I was a little concerned. He was batting 138 before he went down, and and oh, he fixed some things, and and it looks like he has. Mm-hmm. So it, it, he's coming back up, hitting hitting the ball well, seeing the ball well. This is a lineup that that can that might be able to to do some things and 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 put some stress on on some uh, pitching staffs. Here's one from the 314. I'm worried about the bullpen. Still, I like that we're putting starting pitchers in there now. I was never confident about it until this recent run. And Kerry, if you asked me two weeks ago three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when they have the likes of Verhagen and Whitgren, oh. and they're, they're, they're trying to get a lot out of T.J. McFarland, and Oviedo was down there. You could not have a game where you were down 5-3 and bring one of those guys in and avoid it going to 7-5 or 8-5. No. I feel really good about everybody they're using now. Now, they don't use T.J. McFarland, but if they bring one of their bullpen guys into a game now, I'm pretty confident. It's gonna, you're going to close the door. Yeah, you, you trust and you believe. Jordan Hicks has been been pitching well, yep. extremely well. He, he's his stuff is 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 really good. And and when Helsley comes in, you know the door is going to be closed. Yep. Gallegos he, had a big one on Saturday. Yes. That so was I, huge. And by the way, Chris Stratton is a nice addition too. Yeah, he, he pitched well as well. So it, it, the bullpen does look a lot better now, as you said, than than two three weeks ago. That's one thing. If, 
just if, if you want to isolate things that Mo does really well, it's rebuilding a bullpen on the fly, and he's yeah. done it again this year. Let's get a mic drop here on 101 ESPN from our friend Lisa. Welcome to the show. I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm always worried about everything, but I think my biggest concern would be the history of the inconsistent offense. I mean, I think that worries me more than anything is just it can be so inconsistent. So, but I'm just going to enjoy this ride a little bit, Randy, and not be crabby about anything. So long-term, the inconsistent offense, but man, they sure look good last weekend. That sure as hell was a lot of fun. All right. Have a good day, guys. And Carrie, you mentioned that you grew up watching the Cardinals in the 80s. Mm-hmm. This team is capable of, I don't know if they're going to do it, but they're capable of manufacturing runs. Yeah, uh, getting on the base pass, having a little bit of speed, and, and you know, that to me is what, what makes baseball fun. When somebody gets on base, you can go first to third. You're not, you're not, you're not base to base, and, and that is when you have a team that is putting the ball in play. You put yourself in a position to score more runs when you can, when you can move around the base pass. So I'm, I'm, I, I like what I see. I don't know if there's anything that drives me crazier in sports than a baseball team getting a runner to third with less than two out and not getting him home. That is, that is, <laughs> it, it, it will drive you crazy because just figure it out. Hit the ball, yeah. <laughs> sack yeah, fly, hit the ball the opposite direction. They shifted it. Let, go the opposite way. Come on, let, let, let's play baseball. And I enjoyed the '80s baseball. That was yeah. my, that was my time. I, I that was my <laughs> thing. Early, in mid '80s, you know, early well, '90s was was awesome. Hey, you. And I, and I know that if you if you watched Albert or if if you're watching now and you really like the sport, everybody had their era. But it's fun to talk even to the guys that played for the '80s Cardinals and the '80s Mets. And to a man, they all agree it's the best baseball we'll ever see. It was fun. I mean, you 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 got guys stealing bases left and right. You know, it it, it has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's you know the speed has changed for the players or the catchers are more efficient, more effective, and more efficient in, in throwing base runners out, which prevents them or pitchers are better at holding people on. It's maybe all of those things tied in, but it was definitely a different type of baseball then. We got a couple more here. I want to get to this text and then another mic drop, and we'll do this later in the show too. This one from the six one eight, and this is a, a completely a hundred percent valid text that I agree with. I'm worried that we as fans are expecting too much with a possible Jack Flaherty comeback. Just don't want to see him get hurt again. I think they already have a postseason rotation. Don't rush him. I, I can agree with that. And we talked about it earlier. If he does come back, what does he look like? But you, he, his, his, his talent is, 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 is great. He's, he's a talented player. But you got to stay healthy. Right. And the, I think that's the thing. Organizations are so seduced by great talent. Yeah. Sometimes... They don't see the forest for the trees, and they don't think about the fact yeah. that the guy is being rushed because he can bring so much to the table if he's healthy. And if you if you don't need him necessarily, if, if it's not a, a need at this moment, which I don't think it is at this very moment, I think you know the the last few series gave us some some confidence where you can say, okay, we can slow it slow it down just a little bit more and make sure he's completely healthy. So when he comes back, and and you know what, Randy. That's on that's on Jack Flaherty as well. Yes. Because sometimes as a player, you begin to press. You understand who you are, what you are, and you understand, man, I've been hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I have not been able to fulfill my duties on this playing field, and I want to play. And sometimes you rush yourself back thinking that you're ready to go, yeah. and your body says, no, sir, you're, you're not. And yeah. so it, it's a combination between you know the staff and, and, and him Understanding, okay, we don't need you to rush back. We need you to be 
100% or as close to 100% healthy as you can be. Let's get one more mic drop. This is John who joins us on 101 ESPN. Randy, my concern uh, with uh, with us getting caught now is uh, I feel like the last couple of years we've we've gone in these spurts where we'll score a bunch of runs and we'll go, you know, one run, zero runs, one run, zero runs, 13 runs, zero runs, and, you know, we, ju- we just scored 12 runs against the Yankees. So I worry that we're going go to go to Colorado and just kind of bottom out there. And I, I hope not because we just got this two-game lead over the Brewers, and, man, oh, man, would I love to build on it and just kind of be like, yeah, you're an idiot. You traded Josh Hader for... I don't know, Taylor Rogers pretty much because you DFA'd everybody else who you got back in that return. So I think that's just my concern. But, you know, with, with, with Arnado being hot, Goldie being hot, Yachty coming back, I just feel like there's a new swagger around this team. And who knows? Let's go win 18 in a row this year. Let, let's let's put last year's record to shame. Let's go. John, one thing I've never heard is somebody going to Colorado and, and bombing, <laughs> b- bottling out, <laughs> bottoming yeah. out. Like, you go to Colorado, you yeah. expect some runs to be scored. So yeah. I, you can probably relax on that. We're going. To, the air is a little, little thinner there. We can, we can, we can drive the ball out of the ballpark. I expect some runs tonight and and over the next couple of days. But I get the roller coaster ride because yeah. we were all on it for the first half of the season. Hopefully, they figured things out, and we'll get a better gauge this weekend when Milwaukee comes to town. How the Cardinals fare against their starters the, and get to their bullpen and you're going to beat them. This is the time to have figured it out. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you are if you have been kind of on that roller coaster, you know, through May, June, July and you get to August and you start to, you know, ease out and smooth out and the ride becomes a lot smoother. This is the, if, if there ever was a time, now is the time. And I'm like I said, I'm excited about, you know, tonight's game, kind of seeing if they continue to put that together and and how they how they continue to go forward. Cards at Rockies tonight, 740, with the action on Bally Sports. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker coming up. Training camp continues. Three questions about the Green Bay Packers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? I don't really understand your question. Are you fooling me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now, it's time for three questions on the Green Bay Packers. And with today's questions, Matthew Rocchio. Number one. All right, three questions on the Green Bay Packers, and uh, we're only going to talk a little bit of ayahuasca uh, in this segment. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit of ayahuasca. I, I, it's only a little bit that you need, isn't it? <laughs> you got to ask Aaron Rodgers on that one, my friend. Because <laughs> I don't know what I, – I know what the, after, after uh, 7.30 we talked about what the NFL's policy is. I do not know what Hubbard or ESPN's policy is. I got you. Is. <laughs> uh, so question number one for the Green Bay Packers. How do they make up for the loss of Devontae Adams, one of the most dominant receivers in the NFL? You could argue the most dominant receiver in the NFL over the last few years. He is in Las Vegas now. How do they make up for it in Green Bay? You you don't make up for him with one person because I think Aaron Rodgers said it a, a, a few days ago. You know, we're still going to have the same number of pass attempts. We're still going to have the same number of touchdowns. It's just going to be spread, about, spread out amongst multiple people as opposed to just Devontae Adams. Um, losing him is is going to be hard for any quarterback. Losing your your the top receiver in the game right now, um, but you got to do it by committee. You got to have guys. You know, it's going to be. I think at times he was able to force feed Devontae because he was he's so great at what he does. Mm-hmm. And if you don't double cover him, if you don't you don't you know keep an eye on him, you know, he's going to find a way to get open. 
I think now you have to find multiple receivers and multiple guys. I think Alan Lazard is a guy that steps up. Robert Tunyon coming back from injury is going to be huge for them because he's going to be a guy that can, you know, take some of those catches as well. Um, and when he's healthy, he played extremely well. So you know, I think it's going to be – it's just going to be by committee. It's going to be who's open versus this coverage and get that person the ball and they got to make plays. Their first-round draft choice, Christian Watson, is on the pup. But every single day, Rodgers has said something good about a fourth-rounder, Romeo Dubes, a rookie – and there really isn't a quarterback in the NFL that does a better job of elevating the talent around him than Aaron Rodgers. He he makes people better than they really are. And I think the other part of this, Kerry, is I know that they've told Aaron Rodgers that they're going to have the same amount of pass attempts. I don't buy that. Yeah, I think they're going to run the ball, and I think they should. With Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon, they should... Uh, they, they threw the ball, I think, about 55% of the time last year. I'll bet you they throw the ball less than 50% of the time this year. And if that's the case, I'm, I'm interested interested to see how Aaron Rodgers responds to yeah. that, how he reacts to that, because he's a guy that is, is you know, you, you've been in this league long, as long as he has. You expect to be able to run the offense as you see fit. And more times than not, you see the best option is the ball in your hand, mm-hmm. delivering it, not handing it off, but delivering it to someone. But Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon running the football are, are a one-two punch that is going to be tough for anybody. A.J. Dillon is a, a large human being. He is he is massive and and Aaron Jones is is when they drafted AJ Dillon I thought it 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 was going to be bad for Aaron Jones yep. but he's done a great job of you know they they kind of like that thunder and lightning um, running back combo that that do well one guy's the power back one guy's the elusive guy and Aaron Aaron Jones catches the ball out of the backfield very well so you know he has that element as well. Number two. Question number two for the Green Bay Packers. Talking about that running game, it's going to be a big part. you got to have a line to run behind as well as protect your quarterback on the, on the ayahuasca. David Bakhtiari, <laughs> the, the left tackle, and Elton Jenkins, Jenkins, the right tackle. They have both starting training camp on the PUP list. Also, the center and the right guard, both second-year players. So, can that offensive line protect Aaron Rodgers and open up enough holes for that running back for them to win? It's a big question. Rodgers makes an offensive line better because of his elusiveness. And you mentioned Dylan, who should make them better than they really are. But they still have to be pretty good. And I would doubt Bakhtiari will ever be what he was supposed right. to be, right? Right. But Elton Jenkins is a good player. If they can get him healthy, I think the offensive line will be okay. I think that, that that's the most critical point. If they can get healthy, they'll, they'll be okay. I won't say that it doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers, if he's throwing the ball, he does a great job of getting the ball out of his hand quickly mm-hmm. and understanding where the pressure can come from or where it is coming from. He doesn't take many big hits, many big sacks like that because he understands you know, defenses and, and where I need to place this ball and how quickly I need to get rid of it. But as far as the running game goes, if you don't have an offensive line that is able to move another man against his will, you will have a, a hard time in this league. So they have to get healthy up front because they're going to have to run the football, especially if they're not catching the passes the way that they should be. I mean, I think you know MVS was, was great for them last year, but he had some drops, some timely drops, and, mm-hmm. and he's no longer there. But Alan Lazard was your third guy, and now he's potentially becoming your number one guy. That 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 leaves a lot of room for, for you know improvement. So we have to see – how well they're able to catch those passes, how well they're able to get open. And if That's, not, you got to be able to run the ball and you got to have a healthy offensive line to do so. That nonverbal connection between Aaron Rodgers and his receivers, yes. that's something that they're building right now. Yeah. Number three. 
look at the Green Bay Packers depth chart on defense, you see a lot of first-round picks from the last two or three years. It's a young defense, including a lot of young starters. Can that defense step up and augment Aaron Rodgers in the offense? Is it good enough to win a championship? Kerry, I think they're going to be really good defensively. I think Jair, Jair Alexander is really underrated mm-hmm. at one corner, and he was hurt for most of last year. Darnell Savage is one of the three or four best safeties in the league. They finally got good work out of Rashawn Gary, the outside linebacker yes. from Michigan last year. He started yes. rushing the passer, yep. finally. They uh, got a, a surprise in Devondre Campbell mm-hmm. at linebacker, and I think Kenny Clark is one of the most important defensive players in the league. When he's there, they're good, and when right. he's not, they're not. And, and, and they drafted Quay Walker from, yeah. from Georgia, who was, a, who was obviously that Georgia defense was, was highly touted last season. Defensively, I think they're going to be A-OK. I think the secondary has gotten better. Eric Stokes, Stokes played well as well last season. Um, it's going to be fun to see what they do defensively. And, and how well they can get after the quarterback because if you can get pressure on the quarterback, especially with Kenny Clark up the middle, that that allows you to have some room in the secondary to make some 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 timely interceptions and some big plays downfield. It's got to be nice that regardless of what happens, you've got injured offensive tackles, you lose Devontae Adams, you lose some defensive players, and they're still a prohibitive favorite to win that division because of who well, else is in the division. That, there you go. <laughs> the division is is you know probably one of the worst in in, in football. I think you know every year. I, I, I saw something the other day that said it's funny when, when people talk about Packers only winning two championships with 25 quarterbacks, and that's more championships than the rest of the division has won, I think, in 40 <laughs> or 50 years. So, you know, it's it's that division has struggled, um, and, and the Green Bay Packers are, are the elite of the elite in that division, and they more than likely should and, and will win that division again, um, regardless of who they're throwing the ball to or, or we know who's running the ball, but who they're throwing the ball to. Defensively, they're very sound. So. Those are three questions answered about the Green Bay Packers, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and coming up, it's the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carricker and small men in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy carriker Welcome into the fight on Carriker and Smallman. Carrie Davis in for Michelle Smallman. She's on vacation this week. Carrie, this is one of the best segments of the day we get to do here on Carriker and Smallman. That's right, it is the fight. Carrie, you ready to do the? Fu- you ready to uh, host the fight today? Oh, I need to turn on the right mic. There we go. You guys <laughs> ready cha- to roll. changing up things in my in the studio here for my usual thing, throwing me off. Carrie uh, Davis again. You're ready to roll. I'm ready to go. Well, let's see if our caller is ready to roll. Kyle is going to be our challenge today on the fight. Kyle, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. How are you feeling about taking on Randy? Uh, I don't know. He's pretty smart, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, we do call him Mega Mind for a reason. Well, you want to jump right into it, Kyle? Are you ready to start the fight? Yes, sir. All right, Kerry, take over with question number one. All right, Kyle. On this day in 1988, the Oilers traded the great one, Wayne Gretzky, to the L.A. Kings. In his nine years in Edmonton, how many times did Gretzky lead the Oilers to the Stanley Cup final? Is it A, four, B, five, or C, six? Uh, five. 
Happy birthday to Neon Deion Sanders. Deion never failed to intercept at least two passes in every NFL season he played, including the two he played after retiring for three years. What team did he finish his career with? Was it the New York Jets, the Dallas Cowboys, or the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, I think it was the Ravens. All right, Kyle. Derek Fisher hit one of the most improbable and some would say literally impossible shots in NBA playoff history in 2004 when he hit the game winner with .4 seconds left to lift the Lakers over which Western Conference opponent? The San Antonio Spurs, Portland Trailblazers, or Sacramento Kings? Uh, Sacramento Kings. Two sports have been played on the moon. Everyone knows the astronauts shaved a couple strokes up there and played a little golf. But what other, what other sport has been played on the surface? Is it soccer, badminton, or javelin? Um, I have no clue. I guess badminton. All right. Kyle, which are confirming the score, Carrie, is this the, is this the score you got? Yep. All right, perfect score is confirmed. Kyle, how are you feeling about how you did today on the fight? Uh, not, not too good. Not too good. Okay, well, you know that that like you said, it's tough when you when you're going up against Mega Mind. If you, if you if you feel confident, a lot of the times that actually tends to uh, bite the listener in the rump. But sometimes when they're feeling not confident, they they sneak one by Randy a little bit. So so we're rooting for you, Kyle, here in studio. But now Randy's in studio and he's looking at me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn on you very very sharply right now. Randy, how you doing? Doing great, thanks. You, our fighter today is Kyle. Say hi to Kyle. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Uh, thank you. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, on this day in 1988, the Oilers traded the great one, Wayne Gretzky, to the L.A. Kings. In his nine years in Edmonton, how many times did Gretzky lead the Oilers to the Stanley Cup final? I believe it was five. Lost to the Islanders and then won four. Happy birthday to Neon Deion Sanders, who apparently is missing a toe or two. I found out that about today. Uh, Deion never <laughs> failed to intercept at least two passes in every NFL season he played, including the two he played after retiring for three years. What team did he finish his career with? We kind of have a tendency to forget how many teams Dion played for because he started with Atlanta, mm-hmm. and then he went to San Francisco for a year, won the Super Bowl there, mm-hmm. then went to Dallas, then went to Washington, took Dan Snyder's money, right? Yeah. And then... Played with Baltimore at the end of his career. A Raven. Yeah. <laughs> those guys, somebody, somebody said the other day, those guys in purple. Yeah, them. <laughs> Derek Fisher hit one of the more improbable, and some would say literally impossible shots in NBA playoff history in 2004 when he hit a game winner with .4 seconds left to lift the Lakers over which Western Conference opponent? 2004. Um... 2004. I'll do the lifeline here. Is it the San Antonio Spurs, Portland Trail Blazers, or Sacramento Kings? I don't think it was. Maybe, well, the, the Kings, I think, had kind of fallen off the, by then. Um, so I'm not going to go with Sacramento. San Antonio, or what was the other one? Portland Trail Blazers. I guess 2004. I'm trying to think of the Spurs. That would would have been like a Robert Ory time. So let's see, they won. Any to win the series? Uh, win the game. Win the, win game. the game. Yep. Okay, I'll, I'll 
I'll go with San Antonio, but I don't think the Lakers won the series. Two sports have been played on the moon, Randy. We mm. obviously know that everyone everyone knows the astronauts shaved a couple strokes, played a little golf. What other sport was played on the surface of the moon? Logic would dictate that somebody had a soccer ball there, so I'll go with that. I'm, that's the only... I Nobody was playing football. <laughs> nobody was playing tennis, I don't think. I think somebody could kick a ball, hopefully. I don't know, maybe the ball would be lifted up by gravity. Well, wouldn't the ball be picked up by gravity? Well, but if you hit a golf ball and it stayed on, by no gravity, I guess. I'll go soccer. All right. It was a close one today. That last question was a little bit of a doozy. I liked it. I thought Randy was going to save his lifeline for that one. (laughs) That's why I put put it last. But it was a close one today. Kyle did fairly well, but I'm about to ring that bell and tell you. Who won this one? Who won the fight today? Let's see. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Throw the hands up in the air. Randy Carricker does it again. Three to two. He beats Kyle. Kyle, you did well. Two out of four. You only one short of Randy. He just got three today. No Jack. Well done today. Sorry you couldn't get the win. Oh, that's all right. Thank you guys for letting me play. Thank you Good for job, coming yeah, and playing, thank you. Kyle. That was a great one. Let's go through some of the answers. On this day in 1988, the Oilers traded the great one, Wayne Gretzky, to the Kings. In his nine years in Edmonton, he took them to the Stanley Cup final five times. Like Randy said, they lost in 83 and then won in 84, 85, 87, and then 88. Happy birthday to Deion Sanders. He, I never, I could not believe he caught had at least two picks in every single season he played in the that's NFL, amazing. including he retired for three years, came back, and had had five total picks across two years with the Baltimore Ravens to finish out his career. Derek Fisher hit one of the most improbable, and if you ask the San Antonio Spurs fans, they will say literally impossible. You can't get a shot off in the time that he got it off in, but he did anyway. It counted. The Lakers beat the Spurs in that game. I think you're correct. I think they did lose that series. Oh, no, they, they beat the Spurs in that series because they would go on to lose to the Pistons in the, in the finals. Uh, oh, finals. Okay, got it. And yeah. we okay. were uh, thankfully saved from the most defensive finals ever between yeah. the Detroit Pistons and San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> and then number four, Two sports have been played on the moon. Alan Shepard hit two different golf balls. A six iron, I believe it was, on the surface of the moon. The astronaut he went up there with, Edgar Mitchell, brought a javelin and threw it. That is the other (laughs) sport that was played on the moon. Javelin is the answer to number four. Randy got three. He got one, two, and three. The Kyle just missed three and four. So Randy takes another round of the fight. Take it or leave it. Those two golf balls and that javelin are somewhere still in our our space. Somewhere floating around. I'll I'll take that. Someday millions of years from now, two golf balls and a javelin are just going to fall down on <laughs> on something or someone. <laughs> and if you can measure that javelin throw, it has to be the all-time record, It has record, to be right? the record. Yeah. No question. I was going to I was going to say I I don't I don't know if I could drive further than Allen Page hit that six that six iron. No. <laughs> that thing was a towering 340-yard six iron shot. There you go. That's the fight on 101 ESPN coming up. We're going to visit with our buddy Mike Claiborne. The 5460 podcast continues. A lot of good things happening that uh, Mike provides content for. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Carry 
Larry Davis is in for Michelle Swalman. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Mike Claiborne joins us every Tuesday. Claib's obviously working on the Cardinal broadcasts and the Joe West 5460 podcast. Check it out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Claib's, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, after you win seven in a row, life seems to be much better. Yeah, and <laughs> and time flies. And I, I got to ask you, did you see it coming after the trade deadline last week? No, no, I really didn't. You know, I, I kind of hoped that things would turn around when Yachty came back. But, you know, after the deadline, you know, you were kind of disappointed that you said, well, we didn't get Soto, but we didn't lose any of the players that we think are going to be valuable down the road. But when it was all said and done, you know, I was like, eh, okay, let's see what happens. And and so far, so good. Mike, I think the last time I was on with you, you you, you do sound a little bit better. I think that seven-game win streak does help a lot. Um, what have you what have you made of, of the, the transactions that they brought in, the people that they brought in, and also, you know, losing Bader and, and, and what they didn't get in return in, in trying to go get Soto? Well, you know, it's a good question because we, I think we're still trying to sift through what we got. You know, obviously, everybody we've seen so far has turned out to, to do their job. And, you know, you're only as good as your next event. So I like what I see on that front. Losing Bader was tough, but I think Dylan Carlson, you know, this is a guy who was a pitcher and a, and a first baseman throughout his high school and little league career. He didn't play center field until like his senior year. <clears throat> and because of his dedication and what Willie McGee's been able to do with him, he's turned out to be a very solid player. So now you've got that situation resolved. But as we've been talking about all year, we need pitching, 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 more pitching. And finally, it seems like we're starting to load up on that. And with that said, because we got two guys, well, really three guys who played with the defense as far as ground ball pitchers, that has really kind of made this thing seem like, all right, I think we can play with anybody. So now the first test is, well, the Cubs. All right, everybody, we, we can beat the Cubs and the Reds every day. But the problem is, if you want to be playing in October, the Cubs and the Reds aren't going to be there. So you have to find out who you can play that's going to be comparable to what postseason is going to look like. And it was the New York Yankees. And even though they were down two guys, I still felt like this was a real stepping stone for them to be able to move forward and, and really have some confidence. You spoke about pitching. And, and is there a timetable for Jack Flaherty? And if he does come back, what does that do to this, uh, to this pitching staff? Um, you know, Jack is now back in St. Louis. He's working out and – I think he'll be going out on an assignment here fairly soon as far as going to Memphis and and trying to get his mojo back. Uh, You know, when you have a shoulder, you know, that's a little bit of a tricky situation compared to an elbow or forearm or something like that. But I think if you can get him back and he can get you into that situation of being close to being what we knew Jack to be, you're going to be really tough to beat down the road. Claims, I want to go back to Dylan Carlson for a second because he leads National League center fielders in defensive run save. Now, I don't know how to calculate defensive run save, but I know it's a big deal for the analytics people. But he's played 325 innings. He has six defensive runs saved. Michael Harris of Atlanta has 565, 240 innings more, five defensive runs saved. Uh, uh, Carlson has about half the the innings played of Alec Thomas of Arizona, who also has five. I, I got to ask you, do you think that Carlson is a gold glove winner. Yeah. You know, you know what? I, I said this before. When the Cardinals were stacking up gold gloves last year, I said that Dylan Carlson would be next. And once he gets one, you'll see him get three, at least three, maybe four. 
you know, center field, that, that position seems to change a lot in baseball. and You have these new guys coming in all the time. But I, I really feel like this guy has a chance to really be in that discussion with Flood and McGee and Edmonds and all the other great center fielders we've had. And I'll throw Bader in there, too. Uh, all the other great center fielders we've had over the years. I think he certainly fits that bill. And it's amazing, Mike, to look around baseball. The Yankees, for all of their money and all of their success, they've Can't been looking for a center, center fielder. Field. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they've been looking for a center fielder since Bernie Williams retired. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that there's certain teams that have those problems. You know, we we haven't looked for a catcher in 17 years, all right? Now we're going to have to look, look for one, and that's going to be a challenge because the the expectations – or who used to have that position are going to be challenged. And I think, you know, for the Yankees, it's a center fielder. You know, we had that situation for a second baseman for a long time. Yeah. And, and now we're going to have that situation for a catcher. So, you know, organizations, you know, you fall in love with a guy, you know, he doesn't go anywhere, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And you say, well, wait a minute, we, we got to go find somebody like him. Well, no, there's not going to be anybody like him. You know, that, that guy is a Hall of Famer. You know, he's one of a kind guy. And so with the Yankees, Bader should do well for them. That's not a hard ballpark to play in. So he'll be all right. Hey, Mike, the last time I I spoke with you, you talked about your upcoming um, podcast and and you have Charles Barkley on. Can you you give us any any stories from that that interview and and how was that with him? Well, you know what? Charles was a riot. He told a story about when he was growing up in Alabama, you know, they would watch the NFL on Sundays. He said, and it was always the Cowboys, the Giants, or the Eagles. And he said, and every time I'd watch a game, they were playing St. Louis, they were beating the hell out of the Cardinals. And I was like, yeah, I was watching that same game. <laughs> so he, that was his affection for St. Louis, but also one of his best friends is Roy Green and, and Willard Harrell, uh, two guys who played for the Cardinals. And Charles is relentless on those two when they play golf about how bad the Cardinals were. <laughs> so, but he was great. He he was terrific. And um, let's see, who do we have? We have Jim McMahon coming up. We did him the other day. Had a chance to visit with him, and he was a beauty. Uh, let's see, who else do we have coming up? George Will. Talking to George Will tomorrow. Awesome. So, uh, in answer to your question, there's never a dull moment with some of these guests because they pull them out of their hats and you never see it coming. But Charles was terrific and uh, can't thank him enough. And we, as a matter of fact, we were playing in Philadelphia that weekend that we did the uh, the podcast. And so I was like, all right, I need to kind of find a good restaurant. I called Charles, told him what I, I was in Philly. He gave me like five different ones. <laughs> and uh, I didn't get to all of them, but I got to enough of them where, they, where he had called two of them and say, hey, I got a buddy of mine coming in. And uh, so you know, he's a terrific person. I can't wait to get him on the golf course. I don't care how many lessons he's taking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Klaibs, you and I have been watching high school football in St. Louis for a long, long time. Kerry has, too. He he played. And I want you guys, and I, I'll weigh in here after you guys weigh in, I want you to give me your best high school football players ever in St. Louis. I'm going to give you a guy that has something that no one else in the state of Missouri has. His name was Gerald Chambers. He played at Vianney. He he was all city, I mean, all metro, all state, both ways in the same year. Wow. For me, uh, I think he, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I, I was going to say for me, it, it's two people. One I did not see, um, but I've heard many stories about. That would be Tony Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, I yeah, think a lot of people. Yeah. And then for me personally, the person that I saw would be Ricardo Rhodes from Hazelwood East. Small player, great yeah. player. Yeah, good I think player. he had fifty some touchdowns his senior year. Went to Mizzou, uh, but just a fantastic football player. And and you know he was one of the guys that I, even though that was our rival, I looked up to him like that. He's he is amazing. You, you know what? And it's funny because as you bring up high school, see, I don't I don't equate guys' high school careers with what they did in college and went to the pros. If we're asking about high school, mm-hmm. that then we're gonna talk about what he was what he meant to a high school team right. because sometimes. That your your career after high school doesn't flourish like it does mm-hmm. uh, when you're in high school. So, but it's a great question. But yeah, because Gerald Chambers never played down in college football. He had an he had an ailment where it didn't allow him to play. But I got to tell you something. I've never seen a guy dominate a game in my life like I saw him. Really, he's like six four, two fifty, six five, two fifty. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I got hit by him one time. <laughs> after that, I thought about taking up archery. <laughs> I thought about really taking up archery or chess or something that would not be involved in contact. But, he, yeah, he's the only guy, to my recollection, all Metro, all state, both ways. Mm. That's awesome. That is. I, I'm with uh, with Kerry in regards to Tony Van Zant. I think he's kind, yeah. of, he's kind of a consensus guy. But I'll tell you what, DJ and I were doing games. About him. When he when he gave it to Sumner, when he gave it to Sumner at Bush Stadium, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Uh, that's when Sumner was loaded. Yeah, I mean they were stacked, and when he gave it to them, I was like, okay, this this guy, you know, this zip code may be different from the one I grew up in, but you know what, I'm, I'm gonna bow down and kiss the ring on this guy. <laughs> He was something. And then another one of recent vintage, Demetrius Johnson and I were doing games, and we did the freshman Turkey Day game for Jeremy Macklin. Mm. And in the first quarter, we look at ourselves, or look at each other, say, man, this guy's going to play in the NFL. He's a freshman in high school. And he's just one of those guys where you say, he's going to play in the NFL. And he just pretty much did whatever he wanted. He was so dominant. That's amazing. By the way, when you and DJ would do those games, I thought that was kind of must-watch TV because you guys did such a phenomenal job in highlighting those young kids. And some of them went on to play in college and some of them went on to play in the NFL. But I think that's kind of a missing piece to our community where we Mm. don't have the opportunity to expose high school athletes on TV and in in that environment to see what the future looks like. You guys were terrific doing that. Thanks. We had a great time, and, and we both miss it. By the way, one another guy that we all know, and I, I don't want him to be left out of this conversation, is Alvin Miller. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alvin Miller. Let me, let me tell you, if Alvin Miller didn't have the knee injuries that slowed him down, we're talking about Jerry Rice. Mm. We're talking about that, that kind of a guy as far as his impact because whenever he had the ball in his hands, whether he was a punt returner or a receiver, something electric was about to happen. He, he was special, yeah. there's no doubt. I think he was at Notre Dame and tore up his knee at Michigan State on the wow. turf at Michigan State and uh, was drafted by Buffalo, but that knee never really recovered. And uh, It's the kind of injury where today, rather than right. 35 years ago, yeah. today he would come back and be able to play. Clabes, uh, we're going to play some golf today, right? We are. Oh, well, we're going to play at it. I don't know how good we'll be. <laughs> it's the Ascension Charity Classic hey, you Media You know what? Day. i got to tell you, if we start to suck, if we walk up, 
that's okay by me. Hey, we, <laughs> I was just dealing with punishment, punishing yourself when you're not that good. Well, we, I think it might be a scramble, and we've got Delsing on our team. Oh, yeah, we're good, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say for Jay. I'll say for Jay. Exactly. You know what? It's going to be like, well, what did you get on that hole? Whatever Jay had, I'm going to have one more. <laughs> that's there what it was. Yep. <laughs> we'll see you over there. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, right, Clips. Take care. See you good later. Talk to you, Kerry. All right, you too. That is Mike Claiborne. He joins us every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN, and he's one of our favorites. Next up, we want you to weigh in a little bit more in regards to what worries you about the Cardinals now, that they're succeeding, seven in a row, nine out of ten. Anything scare you? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Carrie Davis is in for Michelle. I'm Randy. Cards and Rockies tonight at 740 by the way, it's 9.06 right now. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we're wanting to know where you stand on the Cardinals. What concerns you about the Cardinals right now as they've won seven in a row? This text from the 618. I'm worried about Dakota Hudson the rest of the regular season. I honestly think Woodford should come up and be the fifth starter or Matthew Libertor. And I am in the same boat with you. I do think, though, that the Cardinals are waiting for Jack Flaherty to come back. And that's when Hudson would be demoted to the bullpen. And when Hudson came up, he was a really good bullpen pitcher. I don't know if he has the control at the moment to be a guy that's a reliable bullpen pitcher. He just walks so many guys, and he's so inconsistent. Yeah, you don't want to put people on base at, at any time. But if you're in the bullpen and there's already runners on, you don't want to add to it. Um, I think having Jack Flaherty back as we talked about earlier, whenever he's back, Mike Claiborne said he's back in St. Louis. He may be sent out on a rehab assignment here shortly. Uh, so maybe you're looking at a, a two- to three-week type of window where you know you can get him back in the fold, and, and now you put Dakota Hudson in your bullpen. That strengthens the bullpen, uh, but it also strengthens your starting, your starting pitching. So uh, we, we've talked about it over the last you know month, month and a half, about the starting pitching needs to get better. It has gotten a, a little bit better through, trade, through trades. Mm-hmm. If you can get some of your guys, your guy, back healthy, uh, you definitely bolster that 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 starting staff. And what an ad- an advantage it would be if Cardinals would have three Flaherty starts to evaluate him, where he is physically, where that velocity right. is, where his command is, because it's essentially been now a year and four months since he's pitched. Mm-hmm. There, there was that little stretch here, right. but since Memorial Day of 2021. He's pitched something like 10 innings. And so you need to know what he is, who yeah. he is. And and going into the uh, going into the playoffs, where he stands and, and will he be able to help you uh, and stay healthy? Uh, you, want, you want him to be there because you understand the amount of talent that he has. You know, you understand the physical attributes, but you want to make sure that he's healthy for the long run and not put him in a position mm-hmm. to be hurt where you're back saying, you know, this time next year it's been 10, 10 innings since May of 2021. Here we are on August 9th. Okay, so we have six weeks. We, we, we have seven, really eight weeks left in the season. So you give him six weeks to go through essentially a spring training. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks of regular season play. Maybe 
you talk about big time wishful thinking. Maybe he's your game one starter in a playoff series. That would be that would be <laughs> very wishful thinking, and, and I think Cardinal Nation would be extremely happy about that. I know you know all of those guys in in, in, in that dugout would be happy mm-hmm. about it being being having him back in the in the lineup and not playing at the level that he's able to play at. Like I said availability is is you got to be available to be able to your ability is based on how how available you are the so. most important ability is availability. availability there you go one more i'm concerned to this from 314 i'm concerned about the combinations of gorman de young and donovan just putting the, those guys in the right situations to where they can all succeed i get the sense carrie and you've been through this athletically especially as a young pro athlete i get the sense that Gorman and Donovan have kind of hit the wall. Yeah. And you, you got to power through that, but they're, they're in the process of doing that. They are. They, they. I think. I think so. I think one of the, the Donovan got picked off last. Uh, was it last game or two mm-hmm. games ago? And and you can't have those mistakes. He came in, pitch ran for Albert. When you're a young player and you're getting opportunities to to play, you have to make the most of those situations. And as you said. Sometimes you you hit that wall where you kind of space out and you but this is this is not the time. You have to lock in and that's where having those older guys in the clubhouse can help you yeah. and assist in those situations. Not not get on you but but can keep you in the right place in the right frame of mind. You got to stay locked in at all times and and even when you're not doing hitting well or or you still have to be, you know, able to do other things well, feel well, not ha- not have, um, you know, errors in the field mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So I-, I-, I think that as long as you are taking care of all aspects of, the- of your game, I think you'll be okay. Let's get a couple of mic drops in. This is Alec with us on 101 ESPN. There's nothing that really worries me, per se. I, I can be nitpicky, though. I'd really like to see Zach Thompson back up instead of TJ McFarland. I know that the Cardinals made an investment in McFarland, but he has just been arguably one of the worst, if not the worst, relievers in baseball this year. Um, so uh, it's just the Cardinals making those sort of moves, which tell me, again, what they've done in the past is playing that investment as much as you can getting anything you can out of it. And they still seem to be doing that. Granted, it's with a smaller bullpen arm, but I don't want to look back and be haunted by McFarland giving up 500-foot home runs and us missing the division by a few games. I agree with the thought process there, Kerry, but he seems to be the guy right now that is only used in emergency. I don't think that we're going to see T.J. McFarland in a high-leverage situation. Here we are on August 9th. Last time T.J. McFarland pitched in a game was July 26th. And now with the addition of two starters that you plan on going six innings every time out, You've got seven other relievers. Right. T.J. McFarland is just there right now. I, I would be really surprised if he were ever used in an important situation. If you don't need him, and it's it, it starts with your starters, you know, getting those innings, eating up those innings, getting five, six, seven innings, and that way your bullpen, you can trot out Jordan Hicks in the in the seventh and eighth, and then go go finish off with Helsley. So, you know, or, or Gallegos, whoever whomever you 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 choose to to put in that position. But if your starting pitcher can can get those innings and and not throw you know a hundred mm-hmm. pitches in five four or five innings, it it doesn't it, it makes sure that your bullpen is not so taxed and you don't have to play guys guys don't have to get out there that aren't you know able to pay to 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 take care of their business. And one other point, I would rather have McFarland sitting here and doing nothing 
than Junior Fernandez or Zach Thompson. I want mm-hmm. those guys pitching. Right. And then if something goes wrong, then you can dump the McFarland contract and get a guy in here that's sharper. It's not going to do Zach Thompson any good to sit to for sit two down. weeks at the yeah. major league level. And not have to play. Right. It, 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 you want to be able to, but if you don't need him, like you said, you don't need him here because you need him continuously working and getting exactly. getting those reps and getting those innings in where he's where he can get them in. And if he's not going to get them here, there's no need for him to be here. Be up. And let's get one more mic drop. This is Tavon on 101 ESPN. The thing that scares me the most about the Cardinals' upcoming next stretch of the season is that I feel like the stretch with the Cubs and the Yankees, you know, you live on this emotional high, play at a certain level, and then you get the Colorado Rockies. And so how do you keep up that intensity while dominating over, you know, 500 or below teams and uh, really trying to assert dominance in that way, but uh, continuing that, that stretch of high-octane high play uh, throughout the rest of this season. You can only play who's on the schedule. That's it. Right? That's all you can do. Yeah. And and tonight you got the <laughs> the Rockies on the schedule. Yeah. And the Rockies, by the way, are 30-27 and 27 at home. They're abysmal on the road. They're in last place in the West. But they are going to be a handful on their home field. And this is one of those situations where the, the way the Cardinals pitch – Keep the ball on the ground, keep the ball in the ballpark, and Arnado and Goldie go crazy, and you just walk away with at least two, hopefully three wins. Ideally. And winning series at this point is going to be crucial, going to be vital. Um, you're you're in the lead in the Central Division. You want to expand that lead even more and put yourself in a position where you're prepared for the playoff. This is the time. Right now, For for, for as, a, as a player, you really are considering this your the start of your playoff run. August is here. You know, the trade deadline is passed. You know who's on your team. You know you're going to have a few guys called up, you know, in September. Mm-hmm. But right now, these are your guys, and, and you have to play and continue to play at a high level going forward from this point on. You can't have, you know, you can't lose two out of three. You can't lose three out of four in a series. You want to win series, and, and, and if you can get a sweep, you get greedy at the end. You go for that and try to get that. But right now is, is really the start of the playoffs, and this is your team. This is your roster. You got to go for it. That is Super Bowl champ and Hazelwood Central head coach, Kerry Davis, by the way, at the end of shows, are you going to go, go Hawks? I can. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. We can we can do that. Go Hawks. Kerry Davis, Randy <laughs> Carricker, uh Matthew Rocchio, and coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and uh, it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. All right, CD, you've been through this as a player and an observer, and I don't know why the NFL feels the need to do this, but every year there's a point of emphasis. I mean, it's a different point of emphasis every year for the officials. Oh, we haven't been enforcing this rule well enough. This year it's focusing on illegal contact fouls. Your take, is it necessary to focus on it? No, I I don't think so. I think because 
the the NFL game is already offensive oriented. It, it, it caters to the offense so much. Um, you know, you got to give these DBs a chance. If you tell them now, you know, if it's six yards, you're throwing the flag. If it's seven yards, come, it's kind of like the speed limit. You, 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 it's 60, but you can go 65. Mm-hmm. I think illegal contact, it's a five-yard window where you can put your hands on the receiver. But if you put your hands on them at six, seven, eight yards, they generally don't throw a flag. But if you're going to be so adamant on it that you're going to be be harping that the entire season, there are going to be so many flags and there's going to be so many points scored because DBs might as well tie their hands behind their back and backpedal mm-hmm. because they won't be able to put hands on the receiver at any point uh, throughout the entire play. Did the Hall of Famer Mel Blunt show up in training camp for the Steelers ever, ever when you were there? I don't know if he was at training camp, Man. but he was around. He Let me tell you something, Randy. He is a large <laughs> human being. He would the, maul receivers. The first time I saw him I said, there is no way that that was a cornerback. <laughs> he is legit 6'3", 6'4", and yeah. he's still in shape. He's he about 220. I'm like, and he played corner? It was, it's, it's, he's a sight to see. And the receivers had no chance None against at all. They him. made the, I mean, the rule is in place because of him. Right. Because the he was Chuck rule is mauling of people at the line of scrimmage when he was playing. Hold on a second. I, I had no idea. I, I knew Mel Blunt, obviously. I had no idea he was listed at 6'3", 205. I, he's a monster. And, and he's probably. He weighs 220. 1970. Hold on a second. That means that there were guards. He is. That he would that only would have had fifteen or thirty like twenty yep. pounds on yeah. him in like game weight. How is that possible? To see him in person is more impressive. And even it's now, more impressive. He is. He I must mean, be 65, 70 years old. He is, and he's still as big as he was. Yeah. He's you know he's still in great shape. He's a he's a and every time you see him, he has a cowboy hat on. It's unbelievable, Kerry. This weekend at the Hall of Fame. 75, 80% of the players look like they're in playing shape. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how guys have stayed in condition. It's, it, it's, sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I, I can mm-hmm. attest to that. It's When you retire, you kind of lose the 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 regimen that you had, the the day-in, day-out uh, work ethic that you had. But it, it's if you're able to stay in shape and do those things, it's, hats off to you because it's, it's very necessary. So 11 – oh, here we got to do this. You're killing me, Smalls. 11 LIV golf players filed suit against the PGA asking to be able to play in PGA Tour events. Three of them seeking entry into the FedEx Cup playoffs that start this week. Well, the tour sent the U.S. District Court in Northern California a 32-page response, plus a separate seven-page example of what it calls mischaracterizations and mistruths presented by the Live Tour players. The court is scheduled to hear the complaint filed today, but essentially what the tour is saying is, hey, these guys decided to go to the other <laughs> tour. Why do they want to play this one now? Why do you want to do both? You yeah. went to the other tour. You went to the Live Tour because they were offering guaranteed contracts. You want to make your money, and, and it, it, I don't, I, you know what, I won't speak too, too poorly on that because the, everyone deserves to make the money, the amount of money that they see fit. But once you decide to make that decision, that would be like saying, you know, the XFL is going to offer players guaranteed contracts of $200 million. Oh, I'm jumping there. I'm going. I'm going. And then you realize the product is not as good as the NFL. Not as many people are watching it because no one really cares. Oh, I want to go back and play for the Packers now. No. You made a decision. You took the money. Stay where you are. And if you sign the contract, when and if your contract runs out, we'll discuss it. But you made a decision to go over there. You chased the money. And there's a saying, all money ain't good money. Mm -hmm. It seems to be the case right here. That ain't good money. You chose it. You took it. Live with it. Deal with it. You can't have both. I love your analogy. It's perfect. (laughs) It couldn't be better.
You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, I'm glad I learned this as I get older and still participate in that fight every morning. But relaxing background music has been shown to decrease heart rate and respiration rate, which may positively affect cognitive performance. Hmm. New research published in the Journal of Cognitive Enhancement found that listening to three genres of relaxing music, jazz, piano, and lo-fi, may improve cognitive performance. So is that what you have in your headphones when you're out in the hallway? I'm going to start. You're, you're... <laughs> I'm going to start with, I, I, I don't do it yet, but now that I know that, well, I'm going world, to. St. Louis, you're really in trouble now. I'm telling you, if Randy goes on and listens to this music and can be more relaxed and come in here with a better mindset, I, I, I'll pray for you. Good luck. <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. And... Carrie, one other thing this uh, has happened this morning. We haven't had a chance to talk about it on the air yet, but Serena Williams announcing in an Instagram post this morning that after the U.S. Open, her tennis career will wind down and she is headed towards retirement. And she's one of the greatest athletes of all time. I asked you that earlier on the list of greatest professional athletes regardless of sport, kind of like a pound for pound in Mm -hmm. boxing, regardless of sport, you know, gender, whatever the case may be, is she the greatest to ever play her sport? Uh, You have Tiger Woods up there who was, who was, you know, probably, if not the greatest golfer. Mm -hmm. Some people say Michael Jordan. Some people say LeBron James. Um, You know, uh, uh, um, some people say Joe Montana. Some people say Tom Brady. On that list of greatest to ever play their individual sport, where do you rank her? She's absolutely top five. When you talk about dominance of a sport and on a regular basis, being the person that not only won the biggest events, but won all the events that she was in, not all of them, but she was, she won so regularly. Even Tiger didn't win as regularly as she won. I I have to put her in my top five of all time. What about you? I would say as well, I, I I mean, maybe top three. I mean, if you're talking to individual sports, mm-hmm. you have Tiger, you have her, you have Tiger. Jack. Jack, is it is it is it Muhammad Ali or, or one of the boxers that you choose to pick from? If you if you dominate any sport at that level, uh there's really no 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 comparison. I think if we're gonna just go with a Mount Rushmore of dominance in individual sports. She's clearly on that Mount Rushmore. Yes. One through four. I, yeah. I, closer to one than four. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I, I would think every rational person would have Serena yeah. on that Mount Rushmore. By the way, we're getting a text, and I just double-checked it. Uh, so far, Fox Sports and, and Yahoo have it, talking a little bit earlier. Cameron Smith is confirmed now from uh, Australian golfer Cameron Percy. Cameron Smith is going to the Live Tour. Is he really? Yes. Wow, that's kind of a surprise. Listen, man, th- those Australians, they grew up worshipping a certain guy who was their guy in Australia. Yep, and that true. was Greg Good Norman. Point. And I, I, th- I think it was Jay, I think Jay Delsing said it a couple weeks ago. He'd be shocked if, if a, most of all the Aussies don't follow Norman and, and the money in this way. And so Cameron Smith, one of the big names in golf after his big win at the uh, British Open, off to the Live Tour. I would say that at his age and with what he's done recently, this is the most relevant golfer to go to the, the Live Tour. He's ranked number two in the world right now. Wow. Uh, in the world golf ranking. So for him to go to the Live Tour is a huge get for them and a huge loss. This is, for me, the first huge loss for the PGA Tour. Does it, does, 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 
does how does this impact PGA, the PGA Tour? How how, how in the long in the grand scheme of things, how will this all of these players defecting to the Live Tour? How does that how does that impact the PGA going forward? I I think that as long as they have their their name brands that are playing, they're in good shape. I do. I think you really have to be an avid golf fan if you're going to the ballpark and you're walking towards one gate and Cameron Smith is walking the other way. Most people don't know who Cameron right. Smith is. If Rory is there, you say, "Oh, that's Rory McIlroy." Yeah. Yeah. Justin Thomas, those guys. They really haven't lost those guys yet. But if Cameron Smith is going, then I think there's the danger of anybody going. Well, so you, I think it's a threat. You know who's not depressed or sad about those guys leaving? VJ Singh. That's true. You're, you're, right <laughs> you're getting about that. guys winning PGA tournaments, PGA tours now that were may have struggled in the past uh, with with some of those guys not being there. Yeah, you know, I think I think at the end of the day, unless the Live Tour is able to, and, and maybe it takes some years because it's new, mm-hmm. it's it's not known, and and there's so much you know negative perception behind what it really means. Uh, it may never gain, you know, gain the amount of attention, the amount of attention that it needs to be successful, you know, on TV where people are watching yeah. it and where people are tuning in, you know, week in and week out. It, it's different, and it sometimes different is 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 hard for us, you know, especially as older mm-hmm. people to 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 really understand or, or get behind. I'm still a PGA guy at this point. Well, I I, I want to see the PGA do well. I want to see those guys, you know. Yeah. Here's the thing. Be a part of that. Phil Mickelson could have criticized the PGA Tour and stayed on the PGA Tour. Any of these guys on the Live Tour, Brooks Kepka could have criticized the PGA Tour, the, the people in charge of it, and stayed on the tour. Wait till somebody criticizes this Live Tour yes. and the people that own it. Yeah. And let's see if they get chopped up by a bandsaw. That would be bad. Yeah, that would Not be bad. Not great. Yeah. Coming up next, Nick Wagner talking some 49ers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Nick Wagner, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for NFL Nation on ESPN.com joins us. Nick is a busy guy. You hear him a lot on ESPN radio throughout all of the different platforms. So we appreciate him taking some time this morning. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good, guys. It's uh, Randy, always good to be with you. And, and I haven't caught up with my guy, Kerry, in a long time. So uh, it's been a while. Happy, happy to. Yeah, happy to hear he's back in the uh, back in the booth with you there, though. Randy, back when back when I was around. Getting paired with Kerry was a punishment, though. So I, I, want, I want to know what you did wrong, my friend. So actually, uh, CD, he promised not to knock me over with one of those vicious blocks that he had when he was a member of the Steelers. Hey, I want to start with this because you heard the the Roquan Smith story, and Fred Warner has already gotten his deal from the Niners. Uh, they have to feel pretty good, right, about getting that deal done. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. My first thought when I saw Roquan Smith's statement this morning was, man, I wish Debo Samuel had been this forthcoming and told us what he was so upset about. (laughs) Uh, We we still don't know exactly what Debo was mad about. But, uh, yeah, Roquan Smith, you know, it's funny. Sometimes being a first-round pick can work against you a little bit. And in his case, being that first-round pick, then the Bears had that fifth-year option, whereas the Niners didn't have that with Fred Warner. He was a third-round pick, so it kind of sped up the schedule and got him paid a year ahead of time. Now, 
The Niners could argue that's good because it saves them money because obviously deals usually go up. And I'm guessing that's what Roquan Smith is expecting is just to top what Fred Warner got. Uh, but either way, that's a really good player. And I don't feel like the Bears are in position to let really good players go, but uh, what do I know? I don't know. That just <laughs> seems, like a, seems like a strange strategy here. So, so Nick, you talked about Debo and, and the saga that was, you know, throughout the summer. No, no info as to why he didn't sign, why he wasn't willing to sign, but he's back in the fold now. What do you expect from this team, and what do you expect from him uh, going forward? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, Kerry, because just through the first, you know, 10 days of camp here, uh, Brandon Ayuk has been the best receiver on the field for the 49ers. Um, and that's not a knock on Debo. It's not a knock on George Kittle. Uh, it's just kind of speaks to the level that Brandon Ayuk has taken his game to. And you kind of saw that toward the end of last year. Um, but, but Samuel was still kind of the focal point, you know, some of the stuff he was doing in the run game. And uh, I, I think part of this for Debo, it's going to take a little time for him to get on the same page with Trey Lance. You know, Brandon Ayuk spent the entire offseason, really the past two offseasons, working out with Trey Lance in Southern California. And you can look at that and say that's a, a smart political move, uh, but it's also a good move in terms of getting on the same page and getting timing down and things like that. So um, this is a team, though, Kerry, you said, well, what are my expectations for the team this year? This is a team that should be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, and I saw enough bad football to know what that looks like, and I've seen enough good, good football now to know what it looks like uh, while on the practice field. And defensively, they have a chance to be really special. I think they could be – 2019 levels of good where they're a top two or three defense in the league. They went out and got Charvarius Ward, the corner from Kansas City in the offseason, which has really helped solidify that group because that was kind of their big weakness last year uh, was that cornerback. But Nick Bosa is, is you know, I think going to be a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. They're, they're loaded really at every level of the defense. And then offensively, they've got all those weapons that we just talked about. They've got a good run game. The question, of course, the big question is going to be Trey Lance, and, and I think also the interior of the offensive line, which I won't belabor because I know that's not a sexy thing to talk about <laughs> on the radio, but, but, uh, that, but that's tied to the Trey Lance thing too. And So I think what you're going to see a lot of is the Niners just hoping that Lance can kind of keep a steady ship, which is a lot of what Garoppolo did, and then get better as the year goes on. But this is not going to be a situation where they're asking Trey to kind of carry them. He's going to be uh, as much of a passenger as, as Jimmy Garoppolo was, just don't mess it up kind of thing. Nick, you said being with me was punishment. I think it was punishment for both of us when we were watching the team that we were watching at the time. So I think that's where the punishment came from. Uh, the, the saga with Debo is, is, is over, but the saga with Jimmy G is still there. What's, what's, the, what's the outlook for him, and, and is he still on that roster, you know, come start a season, or, or do they find a way to move him? Yeah, Kerry, the one thing with the Jimmy situation that hasn't happened yet, there hasn't been any sort of deadline that they have to like make a decision by, right? So they've just kind of been in this holding pattern. And look, if he hadn't had to have shoulder surgery back in March, he'd have been gone already. Like There was a couple of teams I know that were interested in him as far back as January. Then when the shoulder surgery thing came out, they backed off and they made other deals and picked up other players. And so uh, right now, I think the 49ers are kind of in a similar position to what the Eagles had when they had Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz a few years back. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, unfortunately, in Minnesota. And then the Eagles ended up getting a great deal uh, for Bradford because the Vikings were desperate. So that's something that, you know, the Niners, I'm not saying they're hoping for an injury, but they're kind of hoping for an injury. So, uh, I, I, but the other thing that, that is at play here, and I think the thing that everyone is waiting on right now is what happens in Cleveland. And um, I was told that there was a, from both Garoppolo camp and the Niners camp, that they were kind of hopeful that, you know, if Deshaun Watson got a longer suspension, that Jimmy Garoppolo would be a real option to land there. And I still think that's the case, but six games 
the initial suspension is kind of on that border, that fringe of is this long enough for them to feel like they need to make that move. Uh, but if it gets pushed to 10, 12 or more, I think then you start seeing that come back. And a lot of people say, well, why would they want to trade for him? Why would they want to take on that contract? Well, first of all, nobody's taking on the contract. Jimmy Garoppolo has zero guaranteed dollars in his contract right now. So you can look at it and say, oh, his salary is $26 million. None of it is guaranteed. So he, would, he, has, he has plenty of motivation to agree to, let's say, something like 7 to $10 million with some actual guaranteed money because that's better than zero guaranteed dollars. So I don't think that's going to really be – much of a sticking point. It's just, is there really a market to the Browns weighted out? And then if, the, if that happens, do the Browns want to compete with, say, a Seattle that might also be interested in Jimmy? Probably not so much in a trade, but if he were to become a free agent or even a team like Pittsburgh, Gary, that, you know, their quarterback situation, <laughs> if, if everyone's saying Mason Rudolph's your best guy, guess what? You don't got a guy. So, uh, <laughs> that's, they, you know, and that's a, that's a very Steelers-like move, weighted out, and then get a guy at a bargain, and you might have something that way. So, Still a lot to kind of play out there, but uh, I, I don't think we're going to see anything until this Deshaun Watson thing gets settled. And then after that, they really have to make a decision by week one when that salary would become guaranteed. Well, that, that was going to be my next question as far as the, the contract goes and the salary. If he were traded now, would that, be, would that mean that the Niners uh, eat a portion of that salary and, and, as he goes to the next team, or, or how does that work? Is he available yeah, no, to, to would, sign a new contract? Yeah, it's, it's different than like the Baker Mayfield situation. Uh-huh. Baker Mayfield is all guaranteed, right? So Jimmy has no guarantees in his contract. So you, you probably saw the report from Adam Schefter a few weeks ago that, that Jimmy Garoppolo's agents have permission to seek a trade. Well, that's been true since March. Like and the reason that that's put out there is because it's sending a clear message of, hey, we're willing to renegotiate here. We're, gotcha. we're, you know, we're willing to do a deal. And so I think what will happen is it would just – that whatever his, what's left on his deal would just get torn up, and then he would get to go somewhere where he would get – you know, a decent little chunk of money that's guaranteed. And then I'm sure a little, you know, heavily incentive-based. Let's just say it was Cleveland, for example. If you start X amount of games, you get this. If you start X amount of games, you get that. That kind of thing, um, which it would give Jimmy some guaranteed money. But I don't see a scenario in which the Niners are going to eat any money here because it's just, frankly, it's just not necessary. Edwardsville native and Mizzou product, Nick Wagner, our friend of ESPN.com, joining us on 101 ESPN Talking Niners. Nick, I'm trying to connect dots here. And I know that in his only full year playing quarterback at the college level, Trey Lance ran for 1,100 yards. I also know that Kyle Shanahan had RG3 as a rookie in Washington as the offensive coordinator there. Can Is it reasonable to expect Trey Lance to be used the same way RG3 was in Washington? Um, I think there will be some similarities, but not to the extent. Um, first of all, I'll put it this way. The Shanahan's were not on board with taking Robert Griffin the right, third, right. and Kyle and Kyle Shanahan very much was on board with taking Trey Lance. And part of the reason was yes, the athletic skills, the arm talent, all that stuff, but also they feel he's an elite processor. He's a really smart guy who can sit, who can sit in the pocket and deliver the ball, which is the, the thing Shanahan values the most in a quarterback. Now I say that to say I think the offense, as it actually looks schematically, is going to look the same: wide zone play action, rollout, bootleg, all that stuff that are staples of the Shanahan offense are still going to be there. But I think it's going to function differently than it did with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it kind of has to. So uh, I always I always use the example of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, his completion percentage was always really high, you know, upper 60s, something like that, low 70s even, uh, I think, one year. And Trey Lance is probably going to come in at like upper 50s, right? It's going to be a pretty substantial drop probably in terms of that, because there's accuracy issues that he needs to work on. There's a lot of cops to Josh Allen, early Josh Allen, um, that I think are fair. 
Uh, but what, but where they're going to make up for that is is what you just mentioned, his legs, and adding the deep ball, which, frankly, Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't take many shots downfield. And when he did, uh, it wasn't very successful. So I think their hope is is that they'll have, you know, on third and seven, where Jimmy Garoppolo might hit, you know, a quick dig route or something to Debo for a, a first down, maybe Trey Lance will end up having to take off and, and run for that seven yards to keep the chain moving or something like that. So, and you won't see as many 16, 17, 18 play drives um, as you did with Jimmy Garoppolo. But the hope is, again, you'll get one or two play drives where you hit those big strikes down the field. So I think that, that's what I mean. I think it's going to look the same, but I think it's going to function a little bit, uh, quite a bit different with, with Trey Lance in there. Hey, Nick, one more thing. Obviously, Kerry's favorite team is the Steelers, but there are very few teams that have fullbacks, and the, the 49ers are one of them, right? And they've got the best yeah. guy. So I would think that yeah. Kerry would have a natural attraction to the Niners because of Kyle Juszczyk. I thought Kerry's favorite team was Mizzou. Wait, wow. <laughs> this is, this is, no, this sir. Is news to me. Yeah, no, that is, is news. News to me, <laughs> news to me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, uh, the, you know, the 49ers, uh, Kyle Juszczyk is – is kind of one of the guys that really makes this offense go because they use him in so many ways, and he's not um, just a, a lead block, full, lead blocking fullback. You know, they they split him out wide. He basically plays some tight end uh, a lot of times. They can throw it to him. They can hand it to him. And yeah, he is. Kerry uh, would be very proud that he he's a guy who's kind of carrying the torch for fullbacks moving forward because there aren't a lot of them around the league. But Uzcheck is the guy who's in the Pro Bowl every year. It really is a. a a key factor for what they do, even if you look at the numbers of, you know, their yards per play when he's on the field versus off, uh, it's like a yard difference in, in favor of when he's on the field. So uh, certainly a key component of this, of this team. I actually had never thought of it from Kerry's perspective, but I'm glad, uh, I'm glad there's someone still carrying the torch for your, for your guys there, Kerry. I am, too. I mean, I would have loved to play in this offense just watching what he's able to do, uh, you know, with the, catching passes out of the backfield, running the ball, lining up in different slots. It, it definitely puts stress on defenses not knowing uh, where he's going. Now, my next question, Nick, is, is solely is selfish because I'm a, a fantasy football player, and I need to know the answer to this. Which running back can I choose in my draft? Because San Francisco tends to have one guy and then another guy that next week and then another guy sometimes they have Debo running the ball where am I going is it Elijah Mitchell is he my guy this year see you answered your own question here you should know better by now than to draft a Shanahan running back I know but I'm hoping I'm just hoping I'll give you the I'll give you the answer two ways uh number one Elijah Mitchell is the guy as of right now that they are hoping will be the, the primary back he was last year actually set a 49ers rookie rushing record last year didn't even play he only played 12 games uh, in the regular season, but uh, he went, you know, he had a bunch of injuries last year, little nicks and bruises throughout the season. He actually was playing with broken ribs at the end of the year. Um, and he came back with about five or six extra pounds on him, just trying to bulk up a little bit so that he can take the beating. But I also don't think they're going to try to run him into the ground either, because I think they feel like they need to protect him. So they drafted Tyrion Davis price from LSU in the third round. I think he's going to be more of their short yardage guy. And if you go back to last year, they were really bad short yardage outside of sneak opportunities for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I say all that to say Kyle Shanahan has been here since 2017. I have been here since 2016, so I've seen every season. They have had a different leading rusher in each of those five seasons under Kyle Shanahan. And Elijah yeah. Mitchell was, was the leader last year. So the history would tell you that it's probably not a safe bet that he's going to be the guy this year. So I would say he looks good. And I think there's a chance he will be the guy to break that streak. But I would say proceed with caution on that front. I think Davis Price, actually, he runs really well, runs low. 
very much a one, you know, one cut and go guy, which you have to be in this scheme. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the mix by for that uh, at some point along the season. A long-winded way of saying I don't really know. Okay. <laughs> uh, Stay but, away but from I, him is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I, I would I would say if you got if you get a good bargain, if you think it's a couple rounds later, then he should go by all means pull the trigger. But otherwise, proceed with caution. Gotcha. And finally, Nick Michelle and I were in Canton to cover Dick Vermeil's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we we were all spoiled as media members by DV, weren't we? He was he was the best to cover. And man, it was so great. I think he had two hours of sleep between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and he w- did it all with a smile. What what a deserving Hall of Famer! Yeah, I was really excited for him, and I, obviously, he was a little bit before my time uh, in, in terms of covering the league. But I did. I, I have over the years gotten to know him a little bit. In fact, I I spoke to him last year for a story. I'm trying to remember what it was, but uh, you know, he obviously. Uh, has some places out here in, in the Napa Valley, not too far from here, which is very near and dear to his heart. His home isn't far from here. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about somebody who uh, – it was the least surprising thing of all time, A, that he had the longest speech, and B, <laughs> that the speech was mostly comprised of him thanking other people because right. that's just that's just who he is. Is is he, he believes that everything he does and has accomplished is a function of the people that he surrounds himself with. And who wouldn't want to be around Dick Vermeil is how I always look at it. Uh, so it's no surprise at all that he was able to get where he went uh, because he had a lot of good people around him too. And Nick, I, I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned this on the air yet, so I'll tell you and tell everybody at the same time, Mike Martz has moved back here to St. Louis. Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought he would never leave San Diego. Yeah. He's got a couple of daughters here. So he and his wife, Julie have, have moved back and they're back in town. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, that's uh, uh, a, a, in the summertime, a particularly bold move. We San Diego for St. Louis. Uh, always no, no. nice to have Mark, Mike back in uh, Mike back in St. Louis for sure. Yeah, he's great. Hey, Nick, we always appreciate your time, and I'm sure as the season goes along, we will talk to you some more. Have a great day. Have a great training camp, and we'll see you soon. You got it, guys. Good talking to you. Take Thanks. Care. All right. That's our friend Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. He called you a Mizzou fan. Yeah, I know. I, I, he he. he <laughs> Out there in California, he bumped his head. He he knows. Carrie, I had no idea. He knows. That's awesome. That's great news. <laughs> I need another one here I, in the studio. I have, Let's I, go. Have a, I have a great respect for for Mizzou. Uh, my daughter is actually a student there, so I'm 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 paying Mizzou. So I, I, you kind of gotta like them, I guess. But you know, I'm I'm an Illini through and through. <laughs> we know, and there's good reason for that because he attended the University of Illinois and played there. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Tuesday. Tomorrow is Hump Day, and Kerry Davis will. Be back. So, as the head coach at Hazelwood Central, tell us about the the typical schedule on an August afternoon. Oh, we'll start around three o'clock. Uh, you know, get some warm ups in, practice pre practice things, go through some individual, depending on if it's offense defense a day, and then we'll get to practice. We'll have you know typical practice seven on seven O line D line doing their thing. We'll do run fits for the defense if it's offense. We'll do you know. Nine on seven, what we call group run or whatever. Uh, some special teams. That's ex- it, it. It is extremely vital, mm-hmm. um, especially at this level. You can win. You can really win and lose games uh, with special teams. Poor special teams can cost you some games. So you have to take that into account. And then we'll have some uh, a team period, and then we'll do some conditioning. Good. And, you know, we, we. I try not to keep them out there too long. 
it tends to run a little longer if they are uh, struggling. <laughs> and they tend to struggle when you come back from a long break, as we right. just had last week off. So, you know, it's a lot of work involved. But, you know, I, I enjoy it. I have fun. That will be uh, one of our high school teams here Thank you. on uh, on. The show. Let's do it. Looking forward to it. Indeed. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And Carrie, this was great. I go Hawks. There we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's what we need every single day. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.